Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Y'all are going to have to bear with me a little bit here. I'm getting over being sick, so I might be coughing randomly. You say that constantly, though. You I... say that like every other episode. You're going to have to bear with me because I'm getting over being well, sick. I work in a petri dish. I'm getting old, Rob. I am getting old. I'm going to be 31 in a month, so screw you. Wow. Um, oh, wow. such old. Uh, Caitlin, are you, Caitlin, are you older than me? <laughs> no, uh, I'm almost the same age. Yeah, you're. You're. We're both thirty. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's Caitlin Argyros, everybody. Links are on the boards. Hi, guys. Not pronounced heroes, which are delicious. Well, if you were pronouncing it like actually in Greek, it probably would be. I don't know. Is it Greek? It is Greek. Yes. Oh well, crap! So you heroes. <laughs> yes. You could have a delicious last name. Oh my I mean, god. It already is. But... Well, actually, it means silver, but yeah. Well, then you're then gold a, in my book. A glimmery last name. Oh yeah. So we also have Stephen. I'm in Japan, Myrink. I am. <laughs> I am indeed in Japan. And uh, I think all of the internet heard you when it came to a little Smash Brothers announcement that we're going to talk about later. Uh, I, to be honest, I could have announced anything and I would have been excited. But yeah, this, it was just this ringing sensation in my ears that drove me a little little nuts. And uh, then we also have Derek. I was right about Danganronpa Heemsbergen. Oh, I was? Yeah, I'm enjoying what it. What way? Oh, okay. We're going to talk about that a little that bit. you would like it. Gotcha. Hi, Embryon on the we'll board. About... We got lots to talk about today, guys. So, I think we got to start out with the big release of last week. And I got a chance Super to... Raider. Uh, you know, I actually want to play that new Tomb Raider. Me too. Uh, I want to play it so quite good. I do too, yeah. I want it to be on not Xbox so I can play it. Not that I have anything yes. against the Xbox, I just don't have one. Well, that PC version comes out soon. But that's not the game we're going to... Does th- it? Uh, I think in like February or something. Well, that's not soon. Quote unquote on, soon. soon. Yeah. That's soon. soon. It means I want it now. Please Come look on, forward man. to it. Please look forward soon. to it. Soon. I we dismissed that claim. Uh, who wants to bet I like it more Wait. than Uncharted 4? Uh, so, so I like the new Tomb Raider a lot. Uh, so the game that we're going to talk about a little bit is Fallout 4. Uh, I got to review it for the site, so I had it about a week, week and a half before it came out. Lots and lots of time to play it. Lots and lots of time to neglect my wife and play a lot of Fallout. Uh, but I actually don't want to start the discussion. I kind of want to let uh, Caitlin and Steven. Derek, I don't think you've been playing Fallout at all. I haven't gotten it yet. Okay. I, I want to give Caitlin and Steven kind of a chance to talk a little bit, and then I'm, I'm going to jump in there because I don't want this to be the Rob show again. So what are you guys thinking about Fallout 4 so far? Caitlin, get get us started on your your journey, your journey through the wasteland. Not How wasteland. is the dog? Tell me about the dog. I'm talk about the dog. Cause I, the dog I, is so cute. The dog he's is so good, cute. He's, he's a good boy. The yes, dog, he's such a good boy. No, but here's Confirmed the problem. Boy. Is when the dog gets hurt and he's whimpering and like writhing on the ground, and I'm like, no, I can't. No, I'm not looking at that. And I sent him back to my home base and was like, you just stay here, boy. You, I am please. just so relieved that he can't die. I know because that, that, I played Fallout Three, worried to death that every single encounter he was going to bite. I was like saving before every major encounter because I was afraid he was going to eat it and I would be up without my dog for the rest of the game. So <laughs> it's also Bethesda, very weak. He was Bethesda very. Actually, made a really good point about the dog because people were mad that he can't die in four, and they were like, "Yeah, but we looked at the stats. All of you just restarted every time the dog died. So why not <laughs> yeah. cut that out?" Like. Nobody let him die. Oh, it's it's my Fire Emblem argument, which is don't play the game with permadeath if you're just going to keep restarting it. 
Yeah, yeah so, um, I mean, like, who cares about people? We're talking about a dog. Okay, here. that's true. That is a cute, <laughs> lovable dog named Dog Meat. Yes. I, I would, I would say, I think the best part about Fallout Four so far is that the robot calls me Bert Macklin FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? uh, that's that's one of his names. Yeah. The implementation is just as bad as I thought it would be. Like, he never says it in a sentence. He's like, Bert Macklin. You guys remember when they? How are you doing? You guys remember when Bethesda? This is kind of a, again, I think kind of the point that I'm making with Fallout 4, and but I I don't want to go there immediately. But Bethesda made this real big point about how oh we have you know thousands of different names that you can be called over the course of the game. I have only heard my name one time in this game at the very beginning when I met Codsworth after the bombs had fallen. Well, only Codsworth says it. Right, but like again, they made this huge giant deal out of it, and it came up one time. Time. Like, well, did you not party with Codsworth? Because, I mean, if yeah. you party with Codsworth, you'll hear it more. He's my companion right now, and he calls me by my name all the time. Well, he's not Cos- my companion. You know why he's great? Well, he runs around screaming violent obscenities in, like, a really British affectation. He's like, <laughs> yes! I shall cut this bean for you! And he complains about dust and uncleanliness all over the place. You just know he just wants to clean up the entire wasteland. It's like a twisted, terrifying version of Rosie from the Jetsons. Like, he's like, Rosie's a <laughs> Yes! Oh, dirty, dirty. We're going to kill this one. If, if Rosie were British and had, like, a blade saw for a hand and a flamethrower for another hand. Yes. Morning, sir. Um, I, uh, no, so I... Oh. ...later that I have not personally seen, I'm not going to spoil it, but my roommate was telling me about it, and it's the clear best companion in the game. Um... And I guess, Rob, you probably know about the companion, but I don't want to spoil it. But it's awesome. There, there's a couple really uh, cool moments with the companions. Uh, I, I like how you can have relationships with them. Apparently, you can just engage in a polyamorous relationship in this game, which is kind Thanks, of... Jim Sterling. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim pointed that one out, and he was 100% right. Uh, but I, I kind of ran into the same problems I've always run into with Bethesda games with the, the companions, where they were constantly getting in my way, they were spending more time on their ass instead of helping me out, and then there's also a couple of is perks... That- there's a couple. Is that not helping you out? Well, sometimes it is. But then there's a couple perks that make you stronger and able to carry more if you just are a lone character without a companion. And I picked those up and never looked back. And I, I also personally like the isolation of the game. Like I think that's one thing that Fallout 4 still really knocks out of the park is that creepy sense of isolation and going into these places that after you know a nuclear holocaust. You know, you're going into these moments of Americana. Like, that's the part of Fallout that still really, really works, is when you're going into these different areas. Most of the environments have been completely designed from scratch, so you're not walking into an endless stream of office buildings like in Fallout 3. Those moments are still really good, but I was still, like, constantly having my companion character getting in my way. Have fun the first time you need to get into an elevator and your companion character just, you know, stands in front of you or they disappear in order to make sure that they get up on top with you. They still... That's kind of my running theme with this game is that the the Bethesda stuff is still there, and that goes for the good and the bad. The good immersive gameplay is still there, but the the jank, the moments of just like why are you doing it like this, are still there too. And I I think that's why I'm a little frustrated with this game is I'm like, okay Bethesda, I've played Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout Three, and now Fallout Four. You've taken some baby steps here and there, but then I feel like you've also taken some steps backwards from Skyrim. I mean, okay, so 
Stephen and I, we're, we obviously are still in the early parts of the game. You play a lot more. Maybe as we progress, we'll run into more of these issues and, and kind of turn around. It's for me personally, right now, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, I haven't played a, a Fallout game in a while. I mean, the last one I played was Fallout 3 a long time ago, so uh, this is kind of a nice return to the wasteland for me. Um, and I don't know, I had a really fun time with the uh, the character creator and uh, the opening story with my character. Um, helped a little bit by the sort of set backstory that they create for the male and female characters, which is really Yeah, cool. I like that as well. I like that they're different characters. Like, yeah, I, I you like can play that. either of them. I like that, but I, I miss the opening. I, I still think Fallout 3's opening was way more effective. I, I think that Fallout 4 kind of stumbles trying to get to a very quick opening to kind of get you into the wasteland faster. I think I actually agree. I, I think Fallout 3... Fallout 3's opening is way, way slower, but it also creates that sense of place a lot better than Fallout 4. And Fallout 4 what? also shows you one of its ugliest characters, the, the Vault-Tec salesman, like, one of their worst character designs is one of the first things that you see of just, like... His lip-syncing yeah. is horrific. Oh, my God. His, like, triangle lips. Yeah. yeah. Everybody my... has, like, Mr. Ed horse teeth in this game, like, over and over again, where they're just giving you this massive overbite. I've, I've had various degrees of agreement to this comment, but I actually feel like it's very, very video gamey in the beginning, and yep. very, like, Bethesda going, well, everybody already knows what Fallout is, so we're not going to tell you about that. And we're going to jump as fast as we can to the, the actual wasteland. Mm -hmm. And, like, on the one hand, I appreciate that you don't have to go through the, all right, we know the vaults, we know we know the gist of this. Um, you know, because the sequence in 3 was pretty lengthy, if I recall. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, compared to 4, it's way short. Um, but on the other hand, I definitely felt like it was like, all right, here's some stuff, all right, what the hell ever, all right, now you're in the wasteland. Yeah, it, it, it didn't make a good opening. Also, that's not how nukes work. No, that is not how nukes you, you work. Don't, you don't... Yeah. When you are three feet away from a nuclear blast wave, first of all, you're dead as soon as it blows up. Right. right and then yeah. when the blast wave hits you, everybody gets vaporized. We've yeah. seen Terminator 2. Like, yeah, we've we seen know Terminator what happens. 2. We know what happens. And, yeah. like, I, I appreciate that they were going for the impact and the effect of, like, oh, it blew up right in front of you. But, like, there are so many moments early in Fallout 4 that are like, hey, look at all... It gets so AAA bro like but look at how dramatic and epic this is i'm like no this no shut up that doesn't see, work it's see, fake but here's the thing about fallout 4 which is it, which is the struggle i was having with it the entire time i was playing it so like yeah i'm a little down on it you know i gave it a b on our scale i think it's still a fun game i think if you want more fallout That's guess down. what that well i i think it's down considering that i gave fallout 3 a 95 on our scale like, I adore Fallout 3. Like, it's one of my favorite games of last console generation. And this is more Fallout. But there are things that they do that I don't think work. But then there are other things that really do. So early in the game, without spoiling anything, you meet a, a villain very early in the game when you're, before you even get out of the vault. What they do with that villain and the writing based around that villain 
is actually some of the best writing that Bethesda has ever done. So there's like this this flash of brilliance in the middle of this like standard Bethesda, okay, you're the most important person in the wasteland, which I think is actually a real problem with this game, whereas in Fallout 3 you were making lots of decisions. This game suffers from the Skyrim. Well, now you're the head of this, and now you're the head of this, and now you're the head of this, because you're just doing what people are telling you to do, whereas in Fallout 3 you were making decisions you were impacting the world. This game is you are our savior because you leave where you come from and go accomplish tasks. See, I think, and that plays that's into a the real fact problem. I feel like that was playing into the fact that Fallout Three was trying to hew closer to the narrative structure of Fallout One and Two. Yes. Whereas this one is definitely more of a Bethesda, like you're the most important person in the world, and that's and you're going to be the head of every guild, like. And again, I, I haven't played yet. I haven't played that far yet, so I don't know how it will play out. But it, that's sort of my my suspicion with all the different factions. But on the other hand, I think the storytelling in this is like based on what you said early on, and not that I'm saying you lied to me. I think the storytelling in this is the best Bethesda's ever pulled off. Like I don't think that's saying the, much. <laughs> a lot of it's not saying much, but it's like it is Bethesda. a lot more immersive to have your character react to things when you talk. Like oh. when you're like in the intro when you're looking at the other pods. And, like, she's, she or he is, like, reacting to that. Or, like, you know, when you're in a conversation and you're skipping dialogue and you hear her go, uh-huh, oh, okay, is that, I see. See, now, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. And also the fact that, you know, I, I missed the old follow-up dialogue options. Uh, they went with the Mass Spec wheel, um, which is sort of you either get detailed options that, you know, like Fallout 3 all sort of lead you to the same point, or you get Mass Effect options that, you know... So far, it's just been: Are you an ass? Are you not an ass? Um, yeah. But I feel like I feel a lot more engaged to my character in every other Bethesda game. I was just a pair of hands floating and shooting beams at people. Yeah, like uh, compared to, I feel to, a lot more like a character. Like compared to Skyrim, where there's I don't feel any character development in your dialogue. It's basically just you're all you're doing is asking for information about like, what is this dragon? I'm Dovahkiin. What does that mean? I mean, here mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. more like there, like Steven said, you are kind of more of a character here. I I agree with you guys, and I would rather have a voiced main character. But I got to be honest here. This was actually one of my biggest disappointments with this game. I think the voice actors do a fine job. I think that they, the problem is they're not given a lot to work with. You, Steven kind of already said it, like. Having a listing for a dialogue option as sarcastic, that that's not good enough. Like yeah. that, I, what does that mean? Am I going to be sarcastic to the person? Am I going to be sarcastic about the situation? Am I going to say this? Am I going to? I'm having a lot of those like LA. It's very Mass Effect One, like yes, yes. Where, like the, oh. like Mass Effect One was very like here's the tone of your response, but that made it hard to be like, am I going to sarcastically agree, sarcastically disagree? And, um, and again, so I'd rather have this. Bethesda, definitely. Um, Sarcasm is yeah. just a problem in general. But but I, I would rather have this, but it does feel like Bethesda's first time, which is fair. This is their first time doing it. But after, I feel like I'm going to say this over and over again when, I, when I'm talking about this game. After playing The Witcher, mm-hmm. it is really hard to go to this dialogue system. Like, say what you will about That's this being... Dialogue. 
they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to have you make this character's personality, whereas when you're playing as Geralt, you are playing a character and you get to kind of sort of maneuver his way through dialogue. They're trying to give you the, you are a character and you are a blank slate at the same time, and so they never reach a good point with either one. They just manage to pull both off. Where you, you again, you don't have the, I'm just a floating set of hands and the most important person in the world. Now you're just a character that either A, sounds like a doofus half the time because you're asking questions all the time, or you're just a dick. And like the, there's no variable in between. It's like, whoa, like. I actually think the male voice actor is quite a bit weaker than the woman. Like I watched, I watched the first few hours, my friend, I watched him streaming the beginning as the the male. And then my roommate played as uh, the girl and I picked the girl. The male does not sound like he had any context for what he was doing. He's like, what is Minutemen? I'm not sure about that. Maybe this world is over. Yeah. That's an exaggeration, but he's a little bit rough. Yeah. You know who the voice is, the female character. Who's the female character, Caitlin? Uh, It's Courtney Taylor, who voices Jack in Mass Effect 2 and 3. Oh, okay. So, so she explains why she sounds like a badass. She's used to, and and again, I I I think that this is a good stride. I don't want to kick Bethesda for this. I'm like, I think you guys are on the right track, but this is very clearly your first attempt at it. And and the other problem is that their their input system for this dialogue system is janky as hell because you don't immediately lock into a character when you start talking to them. It's weird. You get like pushed out of conversation by people passing you by. You'll have the thing where someone comes up to you and talks to you as you're talking to another character about how you're going to murder that character. Like it's even, it's even, it's even more screwed up now. And I'm constantly being pushed out of dialogue or it's not linking up. Right. You always have that moment where the character's back is turned to you and they talk to you at first. They finish one line of dialogue and then they spin around to look at you. Like it, it just, it, it still feels really off. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with having the Witcher 3, like, when you walk up to somebody, they go to a black screen initially to load up the dialogue, and then when you're in dialogue, you're in dialogue with that character and nothing can interrupt you. Like, there's nothing wrong with that system. It's time to just embrace it. Mass Effect did it. Witcher did it. it, it Bethesda's trying, and I don't want to kick him for it, but it's still very half-assed. I, I found it to be a. I, would, I, I wouldn't thought. use the word half-assed. I would say half-baked. Yeah, it, it ain't there. It, it, this Which is not is a like, lazily put together game. And, and see, that's the other thing that I kind of felt is that there there is a rushed quality to some aspects of this game. But get but getting away from the, from the character for a second, what they do with that villain character, I I do want to hit on this again. Whoever wrote that villain character and a very specific quest around that villain character. That needs to be the main writer at Bethesda right now because it's actually more Bioware than Bethesda. It's like, what the hell? This Bioware character got into my Bethesda game. Waiter, and it's got some Bioware in my Bethesda, and it's awesome. Like that's that's a moment of like everybody talked about how in Oblivion the Dark Brotherhood quest was the best quest line. So that that person went on to be the main quest designer for Fallout Three. So you had a lot of decision makings in the Fallout Three quest design. Fallout Four, like Stephen has already said you are the Dovahkiin you are the vault dweller you are the mo- people come up to you like man I can't believe you took care of that raider camp up, up north you don't have the that decision making that is really 
Fallout 3, when they first designed Fallout 3, they said, we wanted to make a smaller world that you would replay over and over again because you could do so many different things. Yeah. Fallout 4 is Skyrim. It, it is more Oblivion or Skyrim than it is Fallout 3. And that, to me, is the biggest problem with this game. Is I've already seen everything. I have zero desire to replay it. Like, I've, I've already done everything. I am the most important person in the world. I have the best power armor. I have the best weapons. I have the best decisions. You see, I, I agree with that totally for Skyrim, because I have absolutely no desire to go back to that game. I'm not sure I agree with that with, with Fallout. Well, that's, but uh, th- now, to be fair, I, 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 I sort of agree, but on the other hand, we're really early in the game. Yeah. So, like, you know, at, at the beginning of the game, I'm like, I can just play this over and over and over again. But, you know, that's definitely why I will never play Skyrim again. And I, you know, well, like I enjoyed those games. But, like, I would say Fallout 4 already feels a lot more like a Bethesda game than Fallout 3 did. Like, I like it a lot so far, but I definitely would not replay this game to be, like, a different personality. Like, I don't think you have enough flexibility in your character to do that. Yeah. And, and I, well, I'm not. I'm not sure that I would ever play a Bethesda game again to make a different character. It's just that I feel like the world and the exploration is a bit more developed in Fallout, Fallout Three, and so far in Fallout Four compared to what yeah, I've experienced in Oblivion and Skyrim. Yeah, and, like and, it's, but, it's just it's more interesting. I have more uh, impetus to go through again and just exp- experience the world in Fallout than I ever do in in, in uh, Oblivion or Skyrim or any other Elder Scrolls game. That I do agree with, and I definitely think Fallout 4's world is more interesting and more like, like there's more diegetically designed in Fallout 4 than, for example, like, you know, Oblivion or Skyrim, where it's like a random tomb with a random assortment of ghouls. Yeah, like, they, they do a much Fallout better job. It feels like a place rather than content. And, and I will say, I, I think the main quest ends very abruptly. I'm not going to spoil anything. The main quest ve- ends very abruptly, and it, it feels it feels just as bad as Fallout 3's, like, oop, you're done. Um, but I think that there are implications about the world that make me a little interested for DLC. Like, okay, how are you going to deal with this now? Because some, some changes did happen, but you don't see any ramifications in the game as it exists now. I think I'm dancing around this as well as I can. So that's cool, but I don't. I, I haven't seen any impact on this world yet. I've been. It, it's the moment in Skyrim where, as the last Dark Brotherhood quest, you kill the Emperor. You kill the Emperor of the Elder Scrolls universe. And it's like, okay, that happened. Right, moving on. Now you would like to go do the Fighters Guild quests now, I imagine. <laughs> like, that is the moment in Fallout 4 is like, okay. This major BFD just happened, and now I need to go make sure that I do more Minutemen quests. That's a problem. That that's a real problem in this game. Uh, I think I think we want to get a- get away from storytelling here. Uh, you guys seem to really be in love with Vats, and I love Vats to a point. I think that the additions that they have made to Vats are minuscule at best. And it is still, I, I still do not like the shooting in this game. And I know you guys disagree with me on that. I think it is better. I think it, it is a better shooter than Fallout 3. That's for damn sure. It, it It's hard to get much worse than the shooting in Fallout 3. But, See, that's where I have to, I have to stop your verbiage there. You said it's a better shooter. 
Yes. But it's not a shooter. It's not a shooter. The shooting is much better, but again, it is still a... It's not a shooter. You are not meant to shoot people outside of bats. You can, and it's no longer miserable. But it still sucks. I don't... It does not (laughs) suck, though. That's the thing. It's not not Wolfenstein, but Wolfenstein is also an on-rails run-through and blast everybody game, and it's awesome. But this is a game... uh, You know, there's... To me, I don't think you should hand wave glitches or wonkiness because, oh, it's big. But we did it for The Witcher, and I think it's only fair to do it here. Although I think The Witcher is probably a little less glitchy than this. Yeah, I think, I think uh, The Witcher's uh, combat is better, too. As, but... a, as an example, I started the game three times, and it crashed as soon as I came out of the first pod. Uh, and I just couldn't move, but the game wouldn't freeze. But Were, again, were you playing on PC or PS4? PS4. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But on the other hand, I actually disagree that the additions to Vats are minuscule. First of all... Making it run in real time makes it way more exciting because now it's no longer just, well, I froze it and now I win. And I get in Fallout 3, again, they were reacting to Fallout 1 and 2. And in Fallout 1 and 2, the game stops and you have time to consider every move. But this is not Fallout 1 and 2. And I'm glad they've sort of stopped trying to embrace that because they're not – Bethesda can't make Fallout 1 and 2. They're different kinds of games. Right. Um, and, and so now, I, it, to me, it's more exciting when you go into vats as like a roach is diving at you and you get the shot off at the last second. It makes – it leaves – it does result in some jankiness where a guy runs around a corner and the camera gets weird. That happens, absolutely. And it happens pretty often. But to me, the strengths of the system outweigh the jankiness, much like in Divinity – the overall strengths of it make me not care when a guy when the camera points at the ground. Yeah, it's silly, but it's a two hundred hour game. I can deal with it looking silly occasionally because for every time it's silly, there's a time where I hit a guy in the face and his whole body blows up. Yeah, those moments are so good. And as far as you know, vats being required. Am I still using vats a lot? Yeah, of course I am, especially when I'm, you know, trying to shoot someone from a distance. But I'm also using non-vats combat a lot more than I did in Fallout 3. Especially on scrub enemies. Like, you fight 20 rad roaches, and yeah, you can go into vats and shoot them all, or you can just blast them all really fast and move on. And I think that really helps the pace of the game, along with making containers just open themselves automatically. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Open a short menu. Like, a lot of the changes in this game are very reactionary towards Fallout, the way people played Fallout 3, which is the doge can't die. You know, you don't have to go into a room and pause the game 30 times to open boxes. You're not constantly having to go into vats and slow things down. Everything flows a lot faster. It's like so much getting used to, though. Like, I I constantly am hitting uh, circle on PS4 because I think I have to exit out of it, and I bring up my pip boy. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I I, I had to do that, too. But I I will say that I, I think that I agree with you guys. I think vats is better overall. I like the fact that it doesn't stop instantly. Steven already hit on my biggest issue with it is when an enemy goes into cover, I think the game should know to get you out of vats instead of you having to cancel it out manually. But I got used to it. It it pissed me off a lot, and especially in the early parts of the game when you're kind of using weapons that aren't that great, and that's fine. But when those shots and vats really matter... It was way more and more annoying at the start of the game. Where I have a problem here is that I think that their biggest thing in this game, and it's on the back of the box, is their new crafting system. That That is front and center. That's the thing they talked about at E3. That is their, this is what we did, different. 
And they, it's actually kind of cool in that every item in the environment is now viable to your crafting system. Like you find a toy car, and maybe that'll give you a screw that you can use to put a new stock on your gun. That's really cool, and I, I like that whole like vendor thing of like, oh my god, I found like a lava lamp, or I found a desk lamp, and I'm going to use this. I really like that. But it isn't as fleshed out, and it's actually not working well with their new system. So you, you put a new stock on your, your rifle, and it says that it's going to give you better recoil. But if you're going to continue to play this game mostly in VATS, what does that less recoil mean in terms of your VATS? Does that mean that you're suddenly going to start hitting more? It means your accuracy doesn't decrease if you change targets as, as you swap in VATS. But now you start getting into even more bizarre things where it's like, okay, I just put this reflex scope on my gun, and even though that put the weight up, which seems to be the determining factor for how many shots I can get off in VATS, now I'm getting off six shots in VATS where before I was getting four. And there's no indication that that's happening unless you put the mod on the weapon, go out of the crafting menu, go shoot at one, or just set up a shot against one of your uh, scrub uh, follower characters to see how many shots you get off with VATS. Okay, I get off five. Now we go back over to the crafting menu. Let's put this stock on. Now how many shots do I get in VATS? Oh, I get four. Okay, let's crawl so, the crafting menu. I don't, I mean... I, um, I, that gets really I, old after 50 are, hours, guys. Are you sure that's the case? Because I was crafting last night, and there's a menu that shows exactly what statistics the parts have. Yeah, right. and... But wait, uh, guys, uh, uh, guys, I'm, I'm actually going to get pissed off here because I spent two hours screwing around with this. Weight is the most determining factor. It is. But every weapon has a base number of shots that it gets off in VATS. Regardless of the weapon's weight, the game does not tell you that. And certain modifications, even though they increase the weight, they give you more shots in VATS. And there is no indication of what's going on there, and it's a problem. Okay, I'm not meaning to sound pissed off, but after screwing around with this for two hours, I'm really sick and tired of it. It's not explained well, and it is going to be one of the first modifications that comes out from the community. And it is, and for a series, after listening to people bitching complain about the Souls games, hiding their numbers, for me to be the only reviewer that's pointing it out with Fallout 4, that's Bethesda getting a little bit of a pass here. It's not explained as well as it could be. I'll agree with that, but it's this is not the only game where there are hidden stats on your equipment that affect the damage or whatnot. That's not anything that hasn't already been done before. And they they need to do better. It is not fun to constantly have to go back to the crafting menu over and over again and to go out and find my dog. Uh, no, you can't even aim at the dog, so you need a different follower. Good lord, Rob, calm down! Just to aim at him. Just to, but, no, you don't aim at the dog, that's horrible! But I'm just saying, guys, that like this this system is not as well crafted, ha ha ha, as it could be. And it's really obnoxious. Like, all, the, all they need is a stat that says base speed or something in VATS. That's all they needed. And they don't even have that. And that's not good enough. If you're going to spend all this time on this crafting system, that should isn't that not the most important stat? Wouldn't that be the stat that you're most interested in, is how many shots you can get off in VATS? I'm probably more interested in damage. Yeah. So. I think damage and number of shots in VATS will, will end up being your most important stats. 
regardless, after a few hours of playing this game, those are going to be your two most important stats. And it's also really weird because now they've put in a loot system into the game which you'll find unique weapons, which were in Fallout 3, like this weapon has minus 25% uh, AP usage in VATS. Okay, that's perfectly fine. And so when you find one of those weapons, now that becomes your primary weapon. Cool, I guess. That's fine. But there's a randomness to these weapons, and there's also a sense of, wow, I spent all this time crafting this one weapon, and now this random thing that I just found in the environment is better. Now i got to start making modifications for that. So there Again, is. Again, well, this I mean, is not that, unique to Fallout. No, it's not. Right. But but, that, uh, but that's that's part of the fun of the system. Is I made this weapon better. I found something better. Now I'm going to make that better. Like that's that to me. That's interesting. It shouldn't just be. I made this weapon amazing. Now it's the best thing in the game, and everything else sucks. Yeah. It it is bizarre when a bolt action rifle for no reason is taking more shots in vats than a shotgun. That starts getting very bizarre. It's like, wait a minute, this is a bolt-action rifle. The speed of this weapon is blah-blah-blah. The shotgun's speed is blah-blah-blah. But one's getting four shots in VATS, and one is getting two. I mean, if there's something that's off with the correlation of the... If it's the numbers that are not working the way you expect them to, that I understand. But, like, I guess... I feel like you're also you're you're fixated on the fact that these are different classifications of guns and you have an expectation going in that they should behave a certain way. But that that, is that what it is? but it's not just that it's that every I already said that in that every base gun has a base amount of shots that it can get off in vats, but the only way to find that out is to take said gun, go into vats against an enemy and see how many shots you can get off with it. Again, that this is this should be front and center on the gun's stats. If you're going to have all of these stats on the gun, including accuracy at a range, why aren't you including that as, like, speed? And again, it is most closely tied to weight, but it's not the determining factor all the time. I had the weight go down one time, but because I wasn't using the right kind of scope, the number of shots in VATS also went down. Yeah, but isn't the number of shots is also dependent on your AP, not your AP, like AP is fixed your AP, by agility. Your perks, your stats. Right, so right. That, that none of those be... guys, I'm telling you, none of those stats changed, but because I had a different type of scope on the weapon, even though it increased the weight, it gave me more shots and vats. That I'm... needs to be explained in your system. You I'm can't... confused, though. Agility is a stat that you can put points into. How no. does that not change? Mm, okay, I'm 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 counting to three here. Uh, okay, oh, oh, then I'm, then I'm, let's back off. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that I have not impacted my character. I have taken a gun. I have put a new stock and a new scope on it. I have four shots in vats. I take the scope off. Now I have three shots in vats, even though the weight just decreased. I put a different stock on that's heavier. Now I go down to two shots in vats. I put the scope back on. Now I go back to four shots in vats. It's, it, it's bizarre. It seems closely tied to weight, but it is not the determining factor. The scopes are doing weird things. Different, thing, different types of magazines are doing weird things. Things. All they needed was it again. All of my problems are gone if there is just a magic number that says this is the AP cost. That is that is okay. all this game needed. If it went from it's thirty three points to thirty six points, I have one hundred and fifty points in vats. I now know how many shots I can get off. That's, that's all okay. they needed. That's fine. AP cost, I understand, but it, 
what I was trying to say is they can't just say, oh, this is how many shots you're going to have in bats because it's not just the weapon. It's also how much AP you had. But, they could, how much but, but Caitlin, they could calculate that for you. If they were a really good game development company with a good UI, hello Blizzard, they would tell you how many shots you can get off in VATS. It's an easy. Well, to be fair, it also took Blizzard two years to do that in Diablo three. Right, but what, but but again, what I'm saying is that that stat needs to be front and center on the game, and it will be. I'm sure Bethesda's going to come out. That that's the thing that really pisses me off, guys, is that they're going to come out with a mod that says, or they're going to do it themselves and say, yeah, we should have had that before, and it's like. Yeah, and I'm telling you that now, and nobody on your game development thought that that was a good idea. Like that's like the that's the Witcher three of like you don't have a stash, and they finally added a stash to the game like three months later. Like really, nobody thought it was a good idea to have a stash in your game. Like real, we had to tell you that. Like that's the group think that that starts to happen with Bethesda games that drive me a little nuts. It's like nobody thought to do that. Like. Uh, again, I think the game, Derek kind of said in the pre-show, I think Bethesda games get a little bit of a free pass on some of that stuff because they are so big. And I'm not saying you guys are doing that, but it really started to irritate the crap out of me. And it's one of those things where I just wish the UI had a number. Just uh, AP cost. That's all they need. That's all they need. That 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 That's an afternoon, give a developer a sandwich, and they can come up with that. Because they, they clearly have the calculation. It's there. So why isn't it just being included in the UI? I don't, I don't want to belabor this point too long. The, the other issue is that you can spend all day crafting your settlements and everything, but all the settlement missions are boring as hell because all it is is go somewhere and annihilate all the super mutants or defend the base. That's another problem is how boring that stuff is. That You talk about the, the Skyrim, oh yes, we have infinite quests because we just keep repeating the same quest to go to the same dungeon and wipe out the same characters over and over again. That exists in Fallout 4, and it's based around their settlement system, which I had zero desire to screw around with. Like, I'm not going to spend hours and hours screwing with the settlement system because all of the quests associated with them are beyond boring. Like, there are amazing quests in this game. I got one that was really cool where I, it, it kind of has, like, an old film noir, like, detective story vibe. That part was awesome. But for that one quest, there were, like, five go eliminate all the ghoul quests. And we complained about that with Skyrim, and now it's here in Fallout 4, and it wasn't in Fallout 3. Fallout 3 only had, like, 20 quests. And each one was different, and each one was unique. And Fallout 4 is kind of falling into the trap of a lot of go annihilate these enemies because we told you to. Um. And I, I, I'm sorry I got heated, guys, but I, but I, I, I know how, how pissy I get about UI, but I just... All my problems would have been solved by one little addition to their UI. And I cannot believe that nobody at Bethesda thought to do that. Like, I, I really cannot believe that nobody didn't... How can nobody put up their hand and go, we need a number? That there needs to be a number. If you're if you're going to have all these numbers in place, why not just include a number? I wish I could actively contribute to this discussion, but having not seen any of it, I don't know what to say other than uh, I wish I could make you a sandwich. <laughs> give that to you so you could enjoy it. it. It's a good game. I don't want to get lost in the minutia. I had fun with it. There's an amazing moment in the middle of the game that, that was like this... Just Bethesda knocking it out of the park in terms of environmental design and atmosphere. It's the best thing they've ever done. And that that's really what saved me on this game. Was like It finally did something unique. It, it stopped putting me into Super Mutant after Super Mutant Encounter. It stopped putting me into, you know, go get the thing at this location and bring it back to me. I'm going to cough real quick. 
it finally did it finally did a really cool moment i just wish the game had more of those cool moments i wish the game had more of those like that awesome villain moment and the science fiction thing that they kind of do with him there is there's really great moments trying to get out of this game but then there's a lot of that bethesda go here because reasons over and over again and that 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 did bum me out a little bit because I I expected more. And their art design is still out of control good. The, the laser rifle that you get within the first 10 minutes is one of the coolest. You know, it's a crank-operated laser rifle. That sounds cool. I love that. There are really cool moments. The, the way they even use vats in some ways, how you can like take out the legs of an enemy, so that way you neutralize them. That's really cool. So there, there are these things that they're doing that are good, but I think that it is still the same lock-picking minigame, the same computer hacking minigame, the same things over and over again. And I think it's time for Bethesda to, to kind of push forward a little bit here. I wasn't expecting safe out of them. I wasn't expecting a Fallout game that was that close to Fallout 3. I was expecting them to really say, hey, we're going to make the next generation of our type of game. No, they kind of just made another one of their types of games. And that's fine. That's good. But Witcher came out. A lot of other open world games have come out. That I will say is fair. The Witcher did indeed come out. Yeah, but they were developing this. Uh, I mean, I don't know how fair it is to say, oh, well, The Witcher came out. Why can't you be more like The Witcher? They can't go back in time and start development well, after The Witcher. No, that, that, I don't think that's what Rob means. At least that's not what I mean. What yeah, I mean is that I... it's not a they should have reacted to it. It's a... No, they didn't know that that was going to happen, but unfortunately it did, so the landscape into which that game has come out is different, when the expectations are different. Like, now that The Witcher has come out, I do have different expectations for an open-world game. We, we and I expect one of those things to not be me running around doing tedious nonsense. And and, Bethes- uh, and again, I don't know that, you know, I have not done any tedious nonsense yet in this game, but the my overwhelming impression I've gotten so far is that I like it, it's definitely not like Fallout 3. I actually think it's quite a bit different. I think it's more Skyrim or Oblivion than Fallout 3. Um, and that's why I, I do suspect that this will become a game that I enjoy, but I'm probably not going to like fall in love with. Because it does feel, and from everything I've seen, it seems a lot like... You know, like they, I, I actually really like the story, so I, I, you know, in a week or two I, I, I would love to revisit this, but... They definitely, it does not, it is a very safe game. Rob is right. This is a safe game. They refine their systems a lot, and that's a great thing, and I think there's a lot of audience for that, and I certainly like the improvements, but I can already tell right off the bat that I still am going to prefer The Witcher 3, because The Witcher 3, I felt more engaged by the world and the story. And also, it didn't freeze when I started the game. But well, that's, I think that's probably true Witcher for all else. of us. And but, 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 but what I, I got sort of off topic. What I think Rob's point is, is that not that, oh, Bethesda should have known that these other games were going to come out, but that they have come out. It's just like how, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles X is huge, but a lot of games are huge now. So that, to me, a big world is no longer a selling point because everybody does that. And so you have to, and I'm not I'm not picking on Xenoblade. I haven't played that, and I don't know how that's going to be. But what I mean is to say it's the Final Fantasy 15 demo discussion. I don't want to just walk around and pick up random rocks. That's not interesting. You have to give me something interesting to do in your world. And so far, what I've done in Fallout 4 is interesting. Right. And and again, it, it's not, oh, Bethesda should have gone back to the drawing boards because Witcher 3 came out in May. I, I, I'm not saying that. 
But what I am saying is that Bethesda used to be the only guys that made this type of game. Guys and gals who made this type of game. A lot of other game companies are now doing open world games with huge levels of interaction. And so because of that, because of that, it's really starting to show that, well, they need to start advancing their formula a little bit. They need to start trying to do some new things. I mean, it, there, there was a little part of me that was disappointed, like, oh, I'm going to do the uh, the exact same stealth minigame. Which also, their, their stealth mechanics are pretty broken in this game. Uh, the sneak attack does not... The sneak attack works about one-third the time it should. I It, it flat-out doesn't make sense half the time. My, my sneak on my character on my PlayStation 4 game is all the way up. His agility is 10, and I'm still attacking things that don't see me, and I'm not getting sneak attacks. Like, that's still not working. A lot of their Bethesda problems are still here. I'm still interacting with their game the exact same way. I mean, even take a game like Divinity. Divinity, to me, is the level of interaction from a Bethesda game on a smaller scale. And I actually prefer that in a lot of ways. Like, the the Bethesda waiting until their back is turned to start stealing everything at the vendor, I'm still doing that. I, I, I guess I'm just ready for new ways to interact with characters. I'm ready for... I'm ready for Bethesda to once again be the market leader in open world games because now so many other companies are doing open world games. And again, that's not to say this is a bad game. That's not what I'm saying. But it is very safe, like Steven said, like I said in my review. It's very safe, and it's more Fallout. And I think for a lot of people, that's great. But I've been playing a lot of open world games, and I even said on this very show a couple months back, I got a lot of open world fatigue. I've been playing a lot of open world games. No, I I absolutely agree, and that's the thing is like I definitely think I will enjoy this game. I like it so far, and I, I definitely like what I've seen. Considering I was pretty negative leading to the release of this game, um, but again, there have been a lot of open world games, and the the bar is higher. Big world is no longer a thing. Um, there's but like to talk more to the strengths of it, like I I, I think. I do want more from Bethesda, but I also think that the jump may not be as big as we would have wanted, but I do think there are a lot of improvements to Bethesda's formula in this, and the sense of place is definitely one of them. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, going to areas, like, they definitely have done a better job of filling their areas with stuff that's interesting rather than just, like, a bad guy in a, in a, in a box, and there's an item in the box, and it's a generic, randomly generated bullet. Like, there's a lot less of that, and there's a lot more atmosphere in the areas. Um, uh-huh. Again, I don't necessarily think that it's to the, to the level of Witcher 3, because that's pretty much my gold standard for open-world games at this point. But I, 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 I think this is still a big improvement over their general style. And it's more a personal thing for me that it does feel more like a, an Elder Scrolls than a Fallout. It feels like an Elder Scrolls with vats. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like that, and I like the setting a lot more, so I think I will like it better, but it definitely feels le- even less like Fallout 1 and 2 than Fallout 3 did. I, I so, think. Go ahead, Caitlin, go ahead. Well, for me, I don't know. I think maybe my expectations were just, in general, with Bethesda, lower. So <laughs> the fact that it's a Bethesda game, it's more Fallout, that maybe works a little bit better in most places, but still overall is a Bethesda game is just fine with me. So, I don't know, maybe it's based on where you're coming 
with into the series, you know, your, and your history with it. I also had not played a lot of Bethesda games beyond Fallout Three, Oblivion, and Skyrim, so there's that to consider too. Um, as far as Witcher Three is concerned, no, it's not. I I agree. Probably nothing is going to top Witcher Three until we see whatever um, CD Projekt Red is doing with Twenty Seventy Seven. But I don't know. It's this weird thing where Bethesda is almost like their own genre of RPG for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I definitely so, agree. Yeah, to a certain extent, while I'm thinking about Witcher 3 in the back of my mind, I'm not really directly comparing them because to me, this is its own thing. That's it, They're both open-world RPGs, but this is a Bethesda open-world RPG. And it's a certain style there that is only Bethesda. So I don't necessarily directly compare them as much, which is why I kind of was like, yeah, well, of course it's not just because Witcher 3, but what are you going to do? Expect Bethesda to, you know, not be Bethesda? I, I think the, the the thing I'll leave it with here is to go back to when they first announced Fallout 3 and there were the first screenshots in Game Informer for it, and, like, I lost my mind when they said we wanted to make a smaller world that was more interactive and you could make bigger choices. I think that's the direction I wanted them to go, Caitlin. I think I I wanted a smaller world where it wasn't about a a huge world map. It wasn't about lots and lots of different areas. It was about making the megaton decision, literally. Like making the decision to obliterate megaton. Making the decision to interact with the Republic of Dave. Those, those... (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) Those moments aren't here... And so it feels a little hollow. And and, and I, I don't mean to be so negative. And again, I apologize to you guys for getting pissed off about a, a stupid discussion about UI. But that 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 sort of thing is, is a pet peeve, and I, I should have controlled that better. But I, I just really wish that this game had gone smaller and more intimate in a way, instead of making me the Dovahkiin of the Wasteland. I think that's my biggest bummer, is I wanted to play... I wanted this to be like Fallout 3, where I played four different characters to make four different sets of decisions, to try different character types, to try different things that I was good at in combat. I really wanted that, and I didn't get that with this game. And so so there's a little bit of a downer there, but I, I, I guess I'd like to see Bethesda try to do smaller. Tr- try to do smaller and more intimate. If that, you know, maybe maybe I'm completely out to lunch that's... there, but... That's more the design trend that I'm interested in the, in the first place. Like, I find that as AAA games are becoming these louder and louder sort of screaming matches between companies where they want to have the biggest world and the most features, um, it's the smaller sort of more thoughtful experiences that draw me in the most. So, I, I mean, I think Bethesda could do great if they sort of focus themselves. I, I prefer Arkham Asylum to any of the other Arkham games, and I, I think I, there's a reason for that. I think I agree with that, with the exception of The Witcher. But yeah, I, Witcher's I special. Think, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen with Bethesda. Yeah. Bethesda has made a large, large amount of dollar bills making the Bethesda experience, so I do not think they are going to get smaller and more intimate. They're going to get bigger and bigger. Does anybody else want to see them do a completely different world? Because I, I, if I get another Elder Scrolls game, I'm going to eye roll pretty hard. Like, yeah. I liked Skyrim a lot, and I, I actually want to see them do something completely different now. I, I'm going to be really bummed if we get, you know, their DLC, and then three years from now we're talking about Elder Scrolls Six. 
Uh, I mean, I think that's what's coming. I don't know. And and I love the Fallout world. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to get the Fallout art book because I think their art design is out of control. Amazing. I love that 1950s retro future. I love all that stuff. I just, I'm ready for a different kind of Bethesda game and a different kind of how I interact with it. You know, I, I, I could use some different things. But I, you know... Uh, let, let's get away from Fallout 4. Again, listeners, you, you're going to enjoy it. If you love Fallout 3, I think you're going to enjoy it. But I think you yeah. <laughs> you have to temper yourself a little bit with you're going to get more Fallout. I, I think I, I think that's the main thing, is that I think that this is a great game, and I like it a lot so far. It's not going to be my favorite game ever. I mean, maybe it will. Who knows? I haven't played the story yet. But it's, you know, your expectations also matter. Like, if you are looking for the Fallout experience but sort of combined with the reputation Bethesda has of late, that's what you're going to get. It's yeah. a very Elder Scrolls-y style Fallout um, with a lot of mechanical improvements. If you're yeah. looking for the, the kind of karma and the Megaton thing, and again, I haven't played enough, so I, I've, I've actually heard the opposite, that there are a lot of big decisions to be made. Um, so I can't comment on that. Um, but it's not the same it does not seem like it's the same style as three one and two yep one of my biggest takeaways so far is that um the character creators not look like butt and you can run diagonally in third person and third person is actually viable in this game i I think their third person is where maybe that's one of the things they need to do better there were moments where i really uh, when I say do better, I mean like that's that should be one of the things that they continue to focus on. There were moments where I felt the third person shooting was better than the first person shooting, just because the gun takes up a lot of a lot of real estate sometimes on the screen, and that that's a huge pet peeve of mine with a shooter. I don't like it when the gun takes up a fourth of the screen. I don't like that at all. That's why I change my uh, FOV slider on my PC version all the time. But there there were moments where that third person shooting felt really good, like almost Mass Effect. And I'm like, maybe that's the direction for you guys to go. Maybe maybe work on that a little bit. So, anywho. Danganronpa! Danganronpa. I like it. That game starts really freaking slow, though. Wow! So you guys both say that, but it's like, have you not played a visual novel before? I, uh, 999 starts you off with, dude, you're in a room and you're gonna die. Figure it out. Like, I, I actually found 999's intro to be a little slow, too. Uh, not relative to Danganronpa. Like, 999 certainly puts you in an exciting situation, but there's definitely the info dump at the beginning of 999. But I still think that they that they start 999 and Virtue's Last Reward with a puzzle. So I, I think that that's kind of the beginning part that, that gets your attention. But you're right, they do the info dump. The problem is that there's nothing else in Danganronpa except the info dump at the very beginning. Well, there's the info dump, there's the we put you in your 3D room to walk around this giant space that you're not really sure what you should be doing. Like, and that, that there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Um, but it's just like, you're in the school. Walk everywhere and look at right. everything. It also introduces you to a huge cast of characters. Really oh my, quickly. I still don't know all their names. I'm not even... Yeah, close. but I mean, like, I think that's... That's negligible. I mean, you'll yeah. you'll learn their names as you go, and it's not. I mean, some of them are gonna die. Yeah, except right and, and that to... was and that was the thing. So like, I I wasn't really into the game, and I, I played for a I'd say maybe two and a half three hours before it grabbed me, and it grabbed me with the first character death because, without spoiling, this is the first Rampa, the character death that happens is so telegraphed 
Like, it, it might as well be the big boobed blonde that's like, let's go outside and make s'mores and have sex. Like, it might as well be that character. <laughs> like, it, it is right down to, like, Cabin in the Woods level of, oh, man, they're going to get it. But then they follow that up with an absolute gut punch that got my attention. Where I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's, I'm interested now. That's Danganronpa. What I like that. It will, it will sort of overtly telegraph things to you to lead you to think things. And I think that in that particular, that, that the first death in Danganronpa serves as kind of a, it's, it's establishing that it's possible for them to lead you down a predictable path. And it's also possible for them to completely gut punch you, like you said. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I think much of the predictability of that first death is sort of there to for them to build upon and mess with your head. I, I agree, and, and I, the game now has my attention. I saw what Steven was talking about because the introduction of all the characters is very tropey, but I think after that, they start to have nuance to them. And, and Derek, you've talked about that too, so I'm enjoying that. It, it's got my attention now, but I, I will say that if, you, if you're going to give Rampa a try, get to the first death. I, I know how weird that sounds, <laughs> but like it, it doesn't... It, it, it does the visual novel thing where it's got to give you the info dump. I think it takes too long and there's a lot of repetition. Like if I had to hear Monokuma say one more time, get ready to greet another BU to full day. Like I was like, okay, are they <laughs> like I've, I've heard this like 20 times. Like I'm like, really? Like I, I get the repetition, but what are we doing here? Like let, let's get started. Does two start that slow or does two get... Yeah, it's pretty much, it's, it's similarly paced. I think that Danganronpa might be a little bit harder to recommend in general than, say, 999 or VLR, just because I think Danganronpa puts up this this facade of being this really tropey, sort of like over-the-top anime, super anime special kind of thing. But then Kawaii! Once you, right, then once the you, he's the best of this, or the best of that. Right. And it seem, it's just it's a little bit more outlandish. And so it, it doesn't make the best first impression if you don't have the stomach for that kind of stuff. Right. But once you delve a little bit deeper and you start to peel the layers away, you're like, oh, holy crap, they're going to completely subvert all of this. Like, okay, I get it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's both, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just something to keep in mind. I think yeah. VLR and 999, for all of their crazy twists sort of, wear themselves on their sleeve a little bit better but yeah i'm enjoying it uh i i'm now invested you know it took took a little bit to get invested i really like the music i really yeah, it's good I, I like the art design it, is it so the first time a character dies i know this is a weird thing to ask but the blood is pink yeah is that what is that censorship or no, is that how it was in the Japanese that's version? That's how it is. That's a stylistic okay. choice. It was so weird. It was it almost threw like me off. Yeah, it was like Kill Bill style. Like whoa, like that's we like, like hyper realistic. Yeah, they're trying to make it. Yeah, because it is it is very hyper violent. Uh, they're trying to juxtapose all of this weird sort of not quite believable. The I don't I don't know these not quite believable facets of the presentation with the horrible murder and thematic elements at play right right um and they i think that it makes for a really fascinating presentation but it is it is super weird for sure the first time i saw it i was like uh that's gruesome and why is the blood pink what's going on um yeah it's but it is on purpose it's not censored i'm so excited for zero time dilemma i'm like I oh my god i'm like yeah. that, that caitlin have you played 999 or virtue's last reward 
no, I okay, stop. You no. are no, you are no longer allowed back on this show until you. Do, do I not get to like explain myself? No, no, that's not actually how this show. Go ahead, Caitlin. <laughs> no, I haven't played um, either, and I've I've been interested in different places. Uh, I know that there's actually like a puzzle-less version on iOS that I've uh, toyed with yeah. with getting, um, just because I'm interested. I, I, I honestly, I'm I'm more interested in the story than I would be interested in puzzle aspects, which is part of the reason why I didn't really get into it. So that's just kind of, that's not, that's me. Yeah, I, I haven't played the iOS version. Um, I have heard that it kind of messes with the flow because, I don't know, I think the puzzles in that game serve, because when you're doing the puzzles, you're often interacting with the characters that, mm-hmm. that are stuck in the room with you and they're like, have you tried doing this? And you're getting some development of those characters as you do it. So I think removing the puzzles is kind of cutting holes in the narrative in a sense. And it doesn't eliminate any major, like there's, I don't think there's any major plot point that happens mid puzzle necessarily, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't know. I think the puzzles punctuate those games and they, they, they do serve a purpose. They're not just there for no reason. So, so while I think it's viable for you to play the iOS version, I, I would say you could, you probably get more out of playing the, the regular version with a guide. And, and you get to, and you get to use a piece of chicken to blow up a frozen door. Hell yeah! And that and that was like one of those like what like it. it but it, I think it's okay to play those games with a guide. I reached a point with VLR where I got kind of fed up with the puzzles because like a, a couple of times I thought I had the puzzle figured. There's nothing worse than thinking that you figured out the puzzle and you're wrong. But the only reason you're wrong is because you're using like base fifteen instead of base twenty. Like that, like that, like that to me is a bad puzzle where I'm like, okay, I actually have the right idea, but I just picked the wrong number to use like that. That's very frustrating to me when I'm doing a puzzle. Like I forget which Assassin's Creed it was, but one of them, like one of the puzzles was a Fibonacci sequence and I recognized it, but one of the wrong, one of the numbers was wrong. So like I got the puzzle and then I spent two days like on the, like, trying it and then giving up because I got fed up with it and it turned out, oh yeah, instead of 16, it was 17. Hmm. Like, what? Yeah, that's uh. frustrating. But yeah, uh, Rampa, I'm enjoying it. Um, I really like the anime aesthetic. Uh, I like the different characters and the game, like Derek said, it, it was able to kind of lull me into a false sense of security by playing to tropes and then it punched me in the throat. Which I really, really liked, and and it was almost a moment of like, did that really just happen? Like, what? Yeah. And that that for the game to surprise me like that, I was like, okay, Dangan Rampa, I'm I'm on to you now. And I I'm... think I've I've said as much before, but uh, for listeners or for either of you guys, oh, Stephen, you played it, but Caitlin, um, have you played Dangan Rampa? No. Okay. If that's you that's care two enough... strikes, right? <laughs> no, that's it's okay. I forget. Yeah, and you like Fallout Four. I just, I just don't even know what to wow. do. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a horrible human being. I know. The the damn worst. But uh, if you're if you're kind of on the fence and you want to see what Danganronpa is all about, I think it's perfectly viable to watch the the anime, and then play the second one following that because that's what I did. But I mean, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I played like the first couple of hours of the first one, and then I switched over to the to the anime. And I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, it's a perfectly viable substitute. It's you get more out of the game for sure, but if the premise is interesting, but the idea of putting like twenty hours into a visual novel isn't interesting to you or isn't appealing, then that's an option. It's it's quirky and weird enough that I think it's worth checking out. Oh, I've I've, 
I put a good amount of time into other visual novels like uh, Hakuoki and Sweet uh, mm. Seekers. It's just, I don't know, part of it is just the style doesn't necessarily grab me as it's much. It's weird, for sure. I didn't I didn't jive with it either at first. But... I don't know how I feel about the one female uh, like karate character. Sakura? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I think it's okay. It's it's. It, we're not getting a. I, I'm not bringing up a dragon's crown, but it was like, whoa, that's. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, did you see that figure? Oh my! I, I I don't know what I'm even looking. That's just a geometric <laughs> shape for abs. Like that's all. That's There's all I see there is just. I'm trying to find a way. To, it's like Polygon Man from the old Sony like PlayStation ads. You guys remember that? Yeah. Anywho, Jesus, God, why would you send me that picture? Oh, my God. You sent all of us that picture. Oh, my God. Nightmare if I must suffer, you too must suffer. I don't know if I'm turned on or not. I'm just confused. What What is going on? Like, the thong is, like, over the ridge of... It's like that scene in Space Jam where Bugs Bunny gets all buffed up and he's, like, weirdly proportioned. Except yeah. Uh, yeah, except it's a chick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Alright, so uh, I don't think we have any other games to talk about. I didn't see anything about... Uh, 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 you are not. What is this? Final Fantasy... No, no, no. Uh, Final Fantasy 11 and 14 don't exist. Those those games aren't considered canon. Oh my god. We were talking pre-show about which games we were going to discuss, and uh, Caitlin said Final Fantasy 14, and Rob starts going... <laughs> oh, I tease. I tease. It is a good game for people that like those kinds of games. That is fine. <laughs> that's so well, dismissive. okay. Well, that's not dismissive. I don't like every type of game out there, but I can still appreciate that what they're doing is good. It's just not for me. Uh, but uh, I, think you, I think you just oversimplified because I hate the MMO style of yeah. game and I like Final Fantasy XIV. Admittedly, I don't do any of the grindy go and get your extra two stat points after 900 hours weapon thing, but the Heaven's Word content is awesome. Well, uh, you guys go ahead and start talking about your Final Fantasy XIVs. Caitlin, I know you love this game, so, so please extol the virtues. Okay, so we're talking about the latest patch, patch 3.1. Um, which has a very lengthy title, um, which I'm probably going to mess up. Uh, what is it? As Goes... As, go, as, as Goes, as goes light, light, So Goes, goes Darkness. Goes, yeah. Long setup, which kind of has to do with uh, your character being the warrior of light, and there is darkness involved. I'm not going to spoil anything, mostly because I haven't really dug into the main storyline part of the patch yet, so I don't even know what's going on. And because um, I hasn't finished the storyline before the patch. Yeah. Even though so, basically everybody has spoiled the final boss, but that's okay. So a lot of new things uh, with this patch, new dungeons, um, some of which are really freaking gorgeous. Uh, there's a new... T- yes. Oh, yeah. my God. It's so, so beautiful. Good. It's like a there's weird a new- uh, botanical garden that has plants from all over the realm. And, of course, some of the plants are mutated and you have to kill them because why wouldn't you? So, it's yeah. cool. Par for the course in a Final yeah. Fantasy game, I guess. Yeah. But um, there's also a new 24-man raid, um, sort of the the Heaven's Word version of the Crystal Tower series, which is Void Arc, which takes place on a giant, freaky-looking ship, which is very cool and purpley and a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops in future patches. The story is actually really cool. Um, it is. Not that Crystal Tower wasn't, but this is also really neat and probably going to be a little bit more up certain people's alleys for reasons yeah. I won't spoil. 
And just as as the Crystal Tower content had many many references to past Final Fantasy, particular th- particularly three, it was just it was just like a giant love letter to Final Fantasy three. Um, this has some references as well, and not not overtly to past Final Fantasies as much, but they have characters from past games that you will recognize. So, including a particular <laughs> fan, I I don't know if I would call him a fan favorite, him or her. Uh, Who's I, a fan I love, favorite of mine? I yeah, uh, I love this this character, but uh, a lot of people don't, at least in the game that that person was featured in so heavily. Ah, well. They can just be. They can be over in that corner, and the rest of us can be over in this corner. They're also wrong. Um, so there's a few things I haven't done yet. Um, I haven't fought a certain. There's a hard mode of a boss that I also will not say what it's called for spoilers. Um, and then there's a mini game. I think Derek, you've played Lord of Vermilion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a. It's Lord of Verminion. It's a pun on the Square Enix's other arcade card battling strategy game uh it's a game where you can take all of your little minions in final fantasy 14 which were previously just cosmetic things that followed you around and they're super cute but i'm there are some people out there that hate anything that isn't functional in some way and i'm not one of those people but what they did was they added in a mode so that you can take all of those little minions that you've been collecting and make them fight to the death it's in a it's like a tower defense game of sorts um it's pretty cool i haven't i haven't played a ton of it uh I played the first, there There are like 24 single player challenges and you can also play against other people and then they have rankings and stuff. So it's really involved. It's not just something that they threw together at the last second. But um, it seems a little slow to me. They've certainly put a lot of effort into making this a robust minigame. But like my roommate um, is really into StarCraft. I mean, he's watching StarCraft streams 24-7 when I am downstairs um, hanging out, I see him play StarCraft constantly, and I see how fast it moves. And compared to that, uh, Lord of Verminion is like molasses. But I mean, they're <laughs> different. They're different sort of things. So it's basically it's a mini RTS of sorts. Um, but it's it's a cool distraction, and I think that it should retain some popularity for a while because it does have tournaments and rankings. Um, yeah, I mean, it gives it's, me an excuse to summon, like, 20 Kate Sith dolls and make them beat a bunch of golems to death. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I think it's a cool way to have your minions actually be there for something other than just cute stuff to follow you around, which is fun. I love them because they're cute, but it's nice to say, well, now you might actually want to start collecting certain minions because they belong to different types, and they may have different stats, and they may have different special attacks. To actually use like that. I mean, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of stuff in the gold saucer. It took me forever to unlock it, but I might actually want to go there more now, just because this is something I can actually use all these these cute little minions I've collected. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm just already kind of a minion collector because I think they're cute and fun. And um, one thing that I do like is that the devs specifically stated that they they're not making the rare minions any stronger necessarily. Because there are some minions that are like, uh, I have several that I got because I bought the soundtrack Blu-rays. And then there's one that came with the official art book. And those are pricier things that not everybody's going to buy just for a minion, which is totally reasonable. So I think it would be a problem if you spent 50 bucks to get the best minion, you know. So they're they're making sure that that doesn't happen. However, they uh, they do all have individual abilities, which is super cool. 
Every single minion. And I mean, there's like, there's well over 100. There's probably, I don't, I don't know how many minions there are, like 150, maybe more than that. Um, each and every one surprised. has a specific ability with its own name and everything. Like, it's, it's not just like they're set into generic types. It's like, this is Warrior, this is the Warrior of Light minion, and he has, you know, Attack of Light or whatever it's called. So they've definitely put enough effort into this to make this worth checking out. Yeah. Um, and for me, the most interesting and cool and fun thing so far in the patch has been uh, Diadem, which are the yes. exploratory missions that you can go on with your airship um, that before you would send your airship out and it would collect things and whatnot, but you didn't actually go anywhere with it. And now everyone jumps on and you go to this other place, which is massive and has all these different floating islands all over the place. And you run around in a party, killing monsters, fulfilling objectives. There are things for uh, gatherers to do to get special materials. And it's a lot of fun to run with your party and just go around. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's like another big zone, but you're in a party group with objectives. So it feels a little bit more focused, but there's still a lot of freedom to explore and find new things and get some cool, possibly very randomized loot out of it. Yeah, the freedom is the biggest thing that I like because uh, you do have your semi-random objectives, but it's not like, would, I mean, at least so far, there isn't a, uh, like, there's no etiquette in place so that you get in and people are immediately like, Group A, do this thing. Group B, blah, blah, blah. If you diverge, you're getting punished. Like, you can actually sort of say, like, oh, one of our objectives is mining. I'm going to run off and mine some stuff while you guys fight the monsters. Or uh, I have to find a chest. So I'm going to go search for the chest. You guys do that. Or whatever. Yeah. But it encourages a lot of collaboration and experimentation because there are other groups in the area that aren't in your party. And so people will say, like, hey, I found this rare monster at this spot. Come fight him with me. And then everybody gets stuff out of it. It's not just, like, the person who claims it or whatever. And those super rare mobs can be pretty difficult, so you actually find yourself really uh, being grateful for the extra help from other parties that are in there with you, because they're, they're, they're gigantic, and they're deadly, and I died so And there are dinosaurs. There are giant yeah, they're dinosaurs. They're not the only ones, and but it's cool to fight something that big. The loot's really cool what they did. It's um, There's different tiers of you know, item level 150 or item level 210, and they have random stats, so you could get something really crappy or something really awesome, but they also have random glamour. So you could get a piece that, you know, okay, it looks like it should look like this, but it already has another piece pre-glamoured on it. And I've seen some weird things like a piece that I think had scholar equipment on it that could be worn by other healers. Yeah, I saw that I, that exact thing. Basically, it was a, a machinist piece that could that had the bard armor glamoured onto it. So it opens up some unique possibilities for people customizing their appearance. Although it's so random and unpredictable that you can't really make that an objective to like I'm going to go out and find the one with this appearance. But it's cool. It's it's uh, I guess another way for people to distinguish themselves. Like hey, that's a that's a machinist over there, and he looks like a bard. That's weird. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's neat. I think the exploratory missions are a step in the right direction for introducing more high-level content that uh, people can get into on a casual basis because you can queue for this solo and get into it solo. And then they place you into a group and you're not sort of forced to stay beyond, like you can complete the objectives and leave. Or you can complete the objectives and stay 
you know, they give you like an hour and a half in there. So if you want to just mess around, fight more monsters, explore, you can do that. Um, yeah. The one thing that I would say to its detriment is that I expected it to be sort of a randomly generated thing every time you entered, and it's not. Um, it's one zone, and you start in different parts every time you enter the zone, but it is possible to sort of map the whole thing and know what it all looks like, which was kind of a uh, I did. Like, on yeah, my first trip in, I, I, I completed my map, so... I did, too, yeah. Because when they, when they talked about, like, you're exploring heretofore unexplored lands, and it's this big thing about, like, adventurers, pioneering, I really did expect um, sort of smaller maps that were more randomized, or just randomized in general, so that you couldn't predict exactly what was going to happen. But I suppose in this way it allows people to formulate strategies and stuff. I don't know. I mean, it comes with pros and cons. Yeah. But it's well, a cool... One of the cool things, too, is, like, you can change your class once you're in there. Like, with other instance content, once you load, you have to say the class that you queued as. But here, you can queue as DPS and switch to healer, switch to gatherer, you know, whatever you want at any point, as long as you're not actively engaged in combat. And that creates a lot of flexibility and options um, for you personally, but also for your group, because maybe... When you're fighting the smaller enemies, maybe you don't need two healers. Maybe one of your healers should go DPS and you can kill it faster. But when you come up against one of those rare enemies, maybe you want to have two or three healers or multiple tanks. And you can totally do that. So yeah, that I think flexibility it, is good. Yeah, I think it's going to a lot down the road, too, as they add to it, presumably. They'll be able to create more variable situations to you know encourage yeah. groups switching between jobs as the situation dictates. That was going to be what I was going to add, is that because they introduced this as a system and not just a single dungeon or a single zone, um, they, they have the potential to keep adding more exploratory mission areas to it. So they have this cool system in place that lets you jump in with varied objectives and be able to switch your classes and all that, and then they can keep adding more and more in terms of the actual locales you visit and the monsters you fight and all that stuff. Ooh, I wonder if they'll down the road maybe make a a roulette of sorts once if they like if we get multiple enough. areas to explore. How cool would that be? That would be cool. You know what this I was actually, actually thinking sounds about? Like, it actually sounds like the kind of content I've really found that game in desperate need of because I just I've, I've I'm not going to belabor the point, but I've said a million times that getting together to run a really hard dungeon and dying five thousand times and grinding to get the gear to do it is not really my thing. But the idea of, like, going off and exploring an island and, like, you know, bringing, like, a botanist and a dark knight is neat. And it sounds a lot like, minus the randomization, it sounds a lot like the rifts in Diablo 3 that they've added. Because um, when you guys first explained it, I did actually think, I was like, oh, so it's a randomized set of islands. So that it's not randomized is both interesting and sort of sad to me. But uh, I agree with you all. It sounds like there's a lot of room to expand that system. Because that's the sort of adventuring stuff that I missed from leveling up. And I even think in Heavensward, Heavensward is a very solo expansion other than the dungeons and the bosses. Like, versus, like, I remember playing the, the vanilla game a lot when leveling, and it was a lot of, like, let's team up and do our hunting log. Let's team up and do this. Whereas I feel like it's mostly a single-player game until you have to go do a dungeon. Um, or, you know, you know, obviously, if you're in a raiding party or playing that kind of content, it's obviously not a single-player game. But the stuff that I enjoyed was mostly single-player focused. So this sounds like it's sort of recreating the stuff that I missed a lot from the leveling experience of, you know, oh, this is like we're going to go out and explore and find random stuff and weird stuff is going to happen. 
you know, it's not quite so rigid as like, all right, you know, parse your DPS, otherwise you're out of the group, that sort of thing. Uh, it sounds a little more, uh, like you said, casual high-level content versus, you know, yeah, very hardcore high-level content. It's just nice to have more flexibility and objectives rather than saying, we're going to enter this dungeon, you all know the bosses, you all know the mechanics, make sure you execute flawlessly the end. Yeah, like, that's the thing, is that's more of a memorization, which there's nothing wrong with that, and there's a, you know, that Mega Man's a great series, and that's all memorization. <laughs> I like the idea of this, where it's like, yeah, you go as a party to an unexplored island, and you all stick around on the island and, you know, do neat stuff. Like, that's that's right. something I, that the game did not have. I don't want to oversell it, because I think that it's not quite at that level yet with this mode. I don't think that it's the kind of thing where it's like... You know, people who haven't played for a while are going to log in and be like, oh my god, I have this great new system that I'll never get tired of. It, it is... The, the content is fairly limited at this time. I just think that there's potential to add a lot more, and if they continue doing that, then that's going to be a lot more fun. Because I would agree that when I play Final Fantasy, um, I log in solo. I mean, I, I have two roommates, and they both play. Um, but they're they're usually not... We, we have different schedules, so they're home at night. Or rather, I, I'm home during the day, and then... Um, they're home at night, and then we sort of aren't playing at the same time. Like, I may have done my objectives already by the time they get home, and I don't want to rerun all the dungeons for very little to no reward. Um, so this is the kind of thing that's easier to jump in and do, because normally what it is is I just, I log on by myself, I queue up for my roulettes or my dungeons or whatever I want to do, and then I log out. I don't really have that feeling of, um, hey, let's plan as a group what we're going to do. And it's most exciting to me when I'm I'm chatting with people either online or you know my my roommates in person. We'll go out to dinner. We'll have a talk. We'll be like, "Yes, yeah, so did you do that dungeon?" Da, da 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 da. And then one of us will have an idea like, "Oh, you know what we should do? We should totally you know switch classes and we'll run this thing together." And then we get excited and then we jump in and like that's the kind of content or the kind of um, mindset that I like to go into with content like the exploratory missions because we get excited about. What, what adventures will we have? What possibilities await? Rather than saying, let's go home and run our rote dungeons, you know? like Yeah, like, for me, exactly. That's that's how I like to play the game, because the other version, and again, not to down that, but it, it's more like work. It's like, all right, well, we have to master this content, and did you grind enough to keep up with the group? And, you know, if not, you're holding us back. Right. You know, I, to me, I it's, love, it's, it's work. I love Final Fantasy fourteen, but... Um, I would be lying if I didn't say that it's occasionally very intimidating because when there's content that you haven't cleared yet that everybody is expected to know, going into a group is like, it's actually stressful because I've been trying to clear um, Ravana Extreme. He's one of the primals, the summons, and there's like an instance fight with eight people. And if you don't know the mechanics to that fight, people just talk crap. And they're like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You're weighing us down. And then you have that feeling of guilt, like, Oh man, I'm sucking. I'm dragging everybody down. And then beyond that, if you're reasonable, you're like, this is a game. This is stupid. I don't want to feel like this. Yeah, That's... like I'm playing this to have fun. I'm sorry that I couldn't work as efficiently as you need the machine to be operating. Yeah. So but I, but feel, there's... I, I feel like the design of the game sort of encourages that behavior because it's sort of all or nothing. Well, yeah. mm, there's, I, I, I don't know. I would feel like there's varying different stages, like even amongst us just here and some of the people that we're friends with on the game, we mm -hmm. kind of represent all different levels. Like uh, we have some friends who are pretty hardcore and I don't know, I'm somewhere up there, but not quite. And then we, you know, I'm Steven, probably a little bit below that. And then you want to, you, you definitely, you're, you want to play more for fun than, you know, to, to raid and to, you know, try and get loot and whatnot. And that's fine. And yeah, well, like think, I, 
sorry, yeah, like I like the idea of raiding. Like for me, I feel like the design of the game encourages farming. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but when you've encouraged farming in that way and when the skill the classes are structured the way they are, that's why people get so mad when you don't know the mechanics. Because it's like, oh my god, you're 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 throwing me off because the only element is time at that point. Or if someone shows up who doesn't know the mechanic, they're mad because it's like, oh my god, now I have to spend longer on this content that I have to farm today. Right. Well, there's you know, it's, it's MMO. It also you're gonna, depends you're gonna on have people, assholes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, there's also that. Like, you guys don't do that, but... No, yeah. So there, there are pros and cons. So I think, I think in the end, what we're trying to say is that this new system, the exploratory mission system, is sort of a step in the right direction towards not having such rigidly defined goals in every single piece of content that we engage in. I agree, and that, that, that sounds really exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm good super excited about it, too. I haven't done the story either, so I want to see what happens with that. I've done everything else except for the story and then the new summon, which is a harder version of the previous story's final boss. Yeah, it's which basically, um, you know, the minstrel is telling the story of this boss fight and getting things way out of proportion in super epic fashion. And I have not even tried it yet, but I've heard it has lots of coil mechanics and is pretty it's crazy. What they did for uh, the final boss of. A Realm Reborn, basically. Yeah, yeah, same, same thing. thing. So. It's good. We're I don't know. I'm, I'm excited by the patch in general. I think there's plenty of different content, uh, depending on, you know, what your priorities are in the game to keep you busy. I mean, some people, of course, are going to blow through it very, and probably already have blown through it. But I, I those, think I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I already feel a little bit like I've exhausted everything in this patch. Like, yeah, I can certainly do more exploratory ventures, but... Uh... It's like, huh, okay. They, because they didn't really add another tier of uh, equipment level in this patch. It's, no, all, they, they just, it's all the same. They made yeah. it easier to get to that level, but it's all the same stuff. So it's kind of like, all right, well, I could grind for equipment or I could just not yeah. grind. I think the one thing that I'm not happy about is how um, the new dungeons now become have become the expert roulette and it's just those two dungeons the old ones are now in their own roulette which will get bigger as more dungeons get shuffled out of expert into it but at the same time my biggest issue with 3.0's expert roulette was it was just two dungeons you had a 50 chance of getting one or the other and it did get a little old after a while and it's going to be the same thing with this now unless you know the next patch comes out sooner than 3.1 did which it, it probably will because they took a little bit of a break. But mm-hmm. still, I don't know. It's a good patch overall. It's good. It's very good. And after the awesomeness of 3.0, main heavens where it was, uh, it's great to have more content. And I so far, I think they're continuing in the trend of heavens word, which was super freaking awesome. Yeah. So there's there's more awesome. Agreed. Yeah, they're, they definitely... they're. On the up and up with that, I'm, you know, I, I obviously don't play the game as much anymore, but I still have pretty warm, warm regards for it in most ways. I mean, really, it only gets better. I don't think they've added anything that people have reacted to in an overtly negative way. They're just adding more and more to a good game. Hi, like Rob. It. Are you still there? Uh, I'm, so, Rob, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rob. I was sleeping. Oh, God. <laughs> 
He's such an asshole. Like, remember, I'll, I'll remember, you. remember no, when Derek participated in the Fallout yeah. conversation, but Rob can't be bothered to listen to Final Fantasy fourteen. What am I gonna What am I gonna contribute? You guys love it. Derek they contributed con- to Fallout four. They continue to add things that you guys are interested in. That's awesome. Like, I think it's great that this sub- subscription based MMO has continued to have more and more content put into it that you guys are excited about. That's really cool. Again, it's not my cup of tea, but as someone who has always been fascinated by the Final Fantasy MMOs, it's really cool to see this phoenix rise up, and I mention it every time we talk about it, and they just continue to add new stuff to it. That's awesome! It ain't no Diablo 3, but you know, what are you gonna do? They, you can't, uh, you can't yeah, have perfection. Which, I'm actually, uh, I'm back on that again. I'm playing it. I, I don't have Reaper of Souls for PC, which I really need to get, because I know it's, it's totally different. If I'm playing by myself, I want to play on PC, but I've been doing couch co-op um, with the PS4 version, and we're it's pretty awesome. Chugging along, it is. Yeah, it works really well as a couch co-op game. I'm surprised. Yeah, they they seem to have figured it out. And the uh, the shortcuts. How did Rob are... get us on Diablo? That was see, see, see how good I am. See how... Yeah, you no, no, no. Well, your your portrait on Skype no, remains Diablo to this day. It's so. the Diablo quotient of the podcast. You it have, is. I mentioned it, it is. at some point. <laughs> I I'm glad that Final Fantasy 14 is being is a successful game i think it should be the standard for the subscription-based mmo i think even more than world of warcraft it's doing some really exciting things right now and you know those are the two subscription mmos that have managed to survive you know, there's a there's actually something else that i should say as long as we're on the topic and it's that final fantasy 11 yes that one um received its final story update on the same oh, day that yeah. final fantasy 14 updated They've been having this um, story series called Rhapsodies of Vanadil that's supposed to tie up all of the loose story ends in Final Fantasy XI that have been introduced over the years. Um, it brings back all the characters from all the expansions. Uh, like, I'm not going to go back and play it because that game is is now... They, they've done a lot to make it more accessible, but it is still esoteric to the point where it's like it's really hard to even justify the time investment with a game like Final Fantasy XIV that's easier to get into. But, um, Did you use yeah. your two-hour ability? Yes. Enjoy auto-attacking. Right. I think they lowered those to half-hour abilities or something. Oh, like cool. That. Oh, my yeah. sweet God. But anyway, uh, so they had their final update. They said that they're still going to have um, some updates from here on doing like uh, tweaks to the battle system or um, small battle content kind of things. But the story is done. They had a really climactic um, finale. Like I said, it brought together the characters from all the past expansions. I actually watched some of them, uh, the cutscenes, because people have uploaded them on YouTube. And it looks really cool. Um, I know that they recorded a uh, finale chorus, the Rhapsodies of Vanadil chorus, that actually had fans from all around the world sending in their voices to this chorus, and they compiled them and made them into a thing for the ending. Um, it looks Which really cool. It's about the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's really heartfelt. Um, I'm hoping that they release a, a digital EP with this music on it. I know that they just released a Blu-ray uh, in Japan that has um, like video montages of the journeys starting from all the city-states into the major hub area, Juno. And then it has a bunch of other music, and it closes out with the Rhapsodies of Vanadil music that they've added. So I hope something like that comes here digitally because it would be a lot more accessible. But I think it's worth noting that Final Fantasy XI has been going strong since its release. Um, It still has an active player base, a small one, but an active one. And I think it's neat that they care enough to close out um, the game's narrative in such a thoughtful way to their fans. I was in middle school when that game came out. Right. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. must have been too then. Like sixth grade or so. Also, uh, just in case... It's even older than World of Warcraft. 
just in case people were wondering, because there was a little bit of debate about whether or not uh, how Fallout compares to Assassin's Creed. I can't remember if that was in the pre-show warm-up or not. So far, Fallout 4 has sold 12 million copies. Okay. How many? What's the, what are the aggregate sales of all Assassin's Creed games? Well, again, I would just, I, I, I would, I don't know. Let's. All right. Let's. But really? Twelve? Wait, twelve million? Yep. That sounds. That's, that's why that inflated. series is not going to change much. That sounds grossly inflated. Yeah. Seriously, twelve million? That's. Let's uh, research. That that's coming from the Escapist right now. Is that they hit uh, twelve million? Uh, Assassin's Creed Unity reached 10 million combined everything. So, I mean, obviously they're releasing a game every other year, but for 12 right. million in the first week and a half. That's so many, though. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's Steven's point, is that they're not going to change that much. And I, I, I personally find that to be a shame, but, you know, what do I know? I'm just, you know, somebody who likes video games. Yeah, okay, Rob. I, what? I mean, if the market reality is keep making these same games because that's what people want, I mean, they're going to continue to milk that teat for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically, that's why I brought Assassin's Creed up, because that's right. what Assassin's Creed does. That's and then so you just, cynical. you hope that eventually you're going to see that, well, I don't know if you hope for the tale, but you would expect to see a tale at some point. But I think. Do you think that people are getting sick of Call of Duty? Finally, I, I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't know, know how well the last one sold, but it seems like it wasn't received as well critically, and that seems to be on the downward trend. I I, I don't have a feel for it. I guess I. I, mean, I don't care enough I to wish. really keep up with it, but. I think they still keep selling quite well. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere. Like, even if they make a couple million sales each one, I'm sure that's worth the money they put in. Yeah, and and again, I, I don't want to belabor the point on Fallout, but I just, you know, that game is going to sell a lot, just like Skyrim sold a lot, so they they have a winning formula. It's just a question of, do the consumers eventually want something new? And, you know, sometimes consumers adamantly say they want something new, and other times they don't. To bring it back to Diablo, you had a lot of consumers saying that they just wanted Diablo 2 again. You had a lot of consumers really pissed off about the fact that they were making changes. Yeah, they need to make. I prefer changes. I don't. I don't need to play Diablo two again, and that applies to a lot of my favorite games. And, and that's like, what, I love them, but I don't need to play them over and over again anymore. And, and that's what Kyle said on the boards, uh, on our editors' boards about Fallout when I was describing my time with it, which was, I've played Fallout, and and playing more Fallout was okay to a point, but I I have very little desire to play more Fallout four. Like I kind of reached a point where I I finished it, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I uh, I guess I'll play it at some point. I've been playing Apollo I'm, Justice. I'm playing it right now. Oh, well, not that. I wish you were. Apollo I, Justice I, is pretty I good. I know. I gotta get on playing the entire series. I'm sorry. Just, I'm, I'm... just remember, don't go in expecting an accurate portrayal of the boss. I, I, yeah, I know. Right? That's gonna I be love the hardest thing for me. You, you okay. said that on the last podcast, and I'm like, did you really expect Law & Order when you played an anime... Well, Law and Order is not Okay, I know, but like, were you really expecting to have like this amazing insight into the criminal justice system? No, 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 no. I, no, no. I was expecting it to follow the rules a little bit. <laughs> Phoenix Wright is like, "Hey, this girl magically turned into somebody else, and she murdered somebody. Is she guilty?" And I'm like, "God, okay. is she guilty?" So yeah, you're like, expecting some level of Sherlock, is what you're telling me. I, I, well, so prior to playing the series, I was not expecting it to be as much magic. Okay. Yes, there was. Well, because I'm like, law itself is fairly unique in games. So for it to be a, a, a comedy drama 
law magical fusion. No, I was not expecting that. I, I, I hope when we get the gritty reboot of Phoenix Wright, where he's like a down on his luck single dad trying to support That's Apollo team. Justice. Uh, okay, whatever. But when, <laughs> when, yeah, that actually is Apollo Justice. Well, let's do the gritty reboot. I'm sure that we'll we'll have a much more in depth take on the criminal justice system. You know, it's like when when Batman has to show up for police br- brutality cases. You know, I haven't played five, but apparently five is more like reflective on like actual justice i haven't played it yet so but apparently five does get a little grim but i don't know i apollo is a weird beast because it's like they spend the whole first part of the game making you very disappointed in phoenix and like to the point where you're like oh my gosh how did he fall so far and like you're like just like apollo who is a lawyer a next generation lawyer who grew up being inspired by phoenix right the player and Apollo are both sort of like, what the hell is wrong with you, Phoenix? Stop it. And like they, you know, it's uh, it's paced a little weirdly, but they also have some of their best trial gameplay they've had and like their best like look around and find clues gameplay. It's very logical in most places. Um, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm, I'm about halfway through the game. I'm through two of the four cases. And usually these games tend to be important case, somewhat related case, filler case finale and the finale is usually crazy pants um crazy pants but it uh you know it's a really interesting departure i could see why fans were shocked by it because it's 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 it goes to a lot of lengths to make you aware that you are not playing the same phoenix right anymore the same uh, daddy's phoenix right i was just thinking the same thing I, sorry caitlin sorry i didn't i didn't mean to get there faster than you um no, but you know really it's it's really interesting, and it's sort of like because the first trilogy wraps up really tightly, um, and you know this is the first one that appeared on on, on a touchscreen enabled system because um, the original Phoenix Wrights were all Game Boy Advance games before they came here. So like, there's like three dimensional ob- like you look at objects in three dimensions to find like fingerprints or like you know you'll open like a cell phone cover and find like a business card or something. Um, and so it's it's actually there's a lot of like. It's a little more adventure gamey than the other ones, which were more visual novels with items occasionally. Uh, this one feels a little more adventure gamey, and the flow of the gameplay is tighter than it's ever been. I really like that. Um, and like Apollo himself, at first seems like Diet Phoenix, but he's actually a very different character. <laughs> Diet and, Phoenix. And that is really that's what's made the game so interesting to me. Is like you really have this like Fallout or Fallout Apollo is sort of like really put out at the beginning, you know, these things happen that sort of shake up his life. He's like this young lawyer who has these like dreams of justice. And then like he meets Phoenix and Phoenix is just this like terrible person, basically who's like manipulating people and like doing all these things that you're disappointed in. Oh, Oh, so it's like one is before going to law school and the other is after going to law school. <laughs> yeah. kind of. But like Phoenix is like this paragon of rightness and the truth. And that's the whole, you know, point of the original trilogy uh, but then, you know, you're playing this and like the the narrative is so engaging. Like, obviously, there's the fillery stuff that's sort of in all the Phoenix Wright games that sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's a little tedious. Um, but the overarching mystery is just so interesting because Apollo himself is a fun character who's a little a little more sarcastic than Phoenix. And Phoenix is pretty sarcastic uh, in the old ones. But there's just this whole thing of like you're so disappointed that you get here. And I, there are so few games that I think are willing to make this like amazing hero seem like a bad care, like a person who has made bad choices and that you're disappointed in. Like so many games 
do the cloud hero worship of cloud is always going to be right in the end of the day. You know, like look at Advent. Advent children is like cloud was bad for a while or maybe not so good. Oh, never mind. Cloud's the hero. Right. And I'm, sh I'm sure this game is going to end with vindicating Phoenix, but it's really good to have an experience that's a little darker and a little like, it's kind of depressing. Everyone in the game is sort of like dejected and no, like it has the humor, but like everyone's sort of disappointed with how things played out. And that's, that's interesting to me. It, it, it might sound weird, Steven, but I, when I first played Phoenix Wright, since I knew you, I just immediately picture you as Phoenix Wright all the time. <laughs> like, kind of goofy, like, you know, has this strong moral belief that, you know, the world's just going to smash him and bring him down at some point. Like, I don't know, you, you've just always struck me as a, a Phoenix Wright. I don't know, maybe maybe we should come up with video game characters for each of the, the podcast crew at oh, that some point. That would be point. fun. Mm. Maybe, maybe the listeners would do that for us. I'm actually not that averse to being referred to as Phoenix Wright. Phoenix I think, Wright I think you're Phoenix, Phoenix Wright is cool. I think you're Phoenix Wright. Uh, I'd say I'm Artorius of the Abyss. Uh, I think okay. I think that. I've, you just I've, get angry and do backflips on people. Yeah, that yeah. that's pretty much. I've been swallowed up by the abyss of negativity. Uh, I think that's fairly accurate. Oh, Derek, I'm fighting you is a lot of fun. Derek, you're Red Thirteen. What? I don't know. I don't know. I just I wanted somebody to be Red Thirteen. Are you saying I'm a furry? Or no, I'm not saying you're a furry, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just. Saying... I'm, I'm not. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. There's okay. nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I'm not. Nah, nah, nah. Rob, if you don't say I'm Chie from Persona Four, then I I'd, I'd be afraid of not so... saying you're Chie. Oh, that's I think bitching. Just, I think you that's just a good choice. No, oh, that, that's right. I'm Junpei. That's right. That's what you're I want to be. You're Junpei. Hey, Junpei. Hey, Yuki-tan. Sorry to keep you waiting. Peter, uh, I posted a, a picture of myself and Peter, uh, one of our other editors, is on the show. He, he's on there. You guys know who Peter is. He yeah, told me I look just like Junpei in the picture, and I was like, that's the nicest thing anybody has said to me. Oh, but I don't have the heart to tell you what's going to happen to Chidori. <laughs> that game is like 10 years old. I know, I know. Anywho. I'm still trying to beat it. I got sidetracked. I don't think I'm ever going to beat three. I don't, I don't think I can. You should really beat three. I actually I think three has a better ending than four. I, I know. I just. I, I agree. I, I got to almost the exact same po point. I'm having the same problem I had with Okami. Where, like, I, I got well, way to the end. And, well, Okami just, goes on way too long. Okami just needs to end. <laughs> Okami needed the fat to be trimmed a little oh, bit. Oh, that is terrible to be sick. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm still coughing. We ready to talk Coffee. about news? Coughing. We ready to talk about news? Yeah, the uh, yes. the, the <laughs> giant dump Nintendo took on our chest. Uh, well, the Nintendo. giant awesome that they took on our chest. Yeah. What a direct that was. <laughs> that sounded awful. Yeah. I'm not Nintendo. even a huge Nintendo fan. I just want I want to first of all, Iwata, rest in peace, that wonderful man. I just want to like imagine that at Nintendo they were like, all right, we're all really bummed out. Iwata's the man. We're going to take a break from the Nintendo Direct. And they did. And then they were like, wait a minute. We're all about giving people joy. How can we do that? And they were like, oh, let's do everything they've ever wanted. And I, like, here's, here's not one, but two Dragon Quest games. I got my Dragon Quest Seven. There, There is a god. Somebody has listened to me. Now Rob will agree with us when we say Square is actually picking it up a little bit. They are. They are. I'm I'm very excited because I finally get to play Dragon Quest Seven. It's gonna really suck when I don't like it. But but at least I know. I, We're never gonna hear the I end get of to it. play it. Rob's gonna be like, this game has turn based combat and it's just so slow. 
there is slow turn-based combat in some games, and then there's good turn-based combat. Okay, I can't, I can't help it. You guys like anyway. slow. I mean, you guys, we we all talked about that with Radiant Historia. That game's way too slow. No, it is. Like I love Radiant Historia, but that game is slow. But like, there's a difference between slow and boring. Yeah, I'm okay with slow. I mean, I like Trails in the Sky, and that has combat that's hella slow. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I, it just uh, it depends on a million factors. I don't yeah. Know. What, I don't what think are the other slow... systems? That, like, I think that the reason why Radiant Historia's combat doesn't resonate with me is because it's it's based around positioning, but you fight the same enemy encounters and you have to sort of continue the same behavior to push them into the same spot to use the same ability to hit all of them at once. And it's like... It's very There's never any variance. Like, yeah. every battle in that game plays out the same way. Knock them into a square and then kill them all in one hit. Or take forever. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. Like, again, I still love that game, but not because of its combat, I would say. So, yeah, Dragon Quest Seven and Eight are coming to uh, 3DSs in America. There was much rejoicing. Everybody was happy. Uh, Mother 3 in Japan. Does that mean we're going to get Mother 3 in America? I, I think at this, I I know there's a lot of hand-wringing as to whether or not we will, but there's an existing translation. They may not use it, but I would be shocked if at some point Mother 3 was not released on the virtual console here with a translation. They released Mother 1, and that didn't have a translation, and is, I think, widely regarded as the worst game in the Mother series. <laughs> worst, relatively speaking. You think it is? Well, I feel I feel like that that's the reputation it seems to have is that it's interesting but very grindy and sort of has aged poorly versus Earthbound, which is a perennial classic, and Mother Three, which seems to oh, be warmly yeah. regarded. I apparently my brain just didn't compute. I thought you said Mother Three was the worst. I was like, what? No, um, I, I, I think you're right. Yeah, and I I definitely hope we see Mother Three because reasons. People want it, and Nintendo is doing what people want. The trend seems to be do what people want, and I'm. I I'm mean, just, with this direct, I'm, yeah. Yep. I'm definitely skirting around the one story I want to talk about because I want us to talk about everything else first before I just delete myself off the internet. Oh my god. Uh. We, we need to save that, you know, like they did in the direct for the grand finale. I think. Correct. So, so we got we got, we got Linkle. We got Linkle. Great character, weird name. Yeah, Stupid horrible, name. horrible name. Uh, but. Uh, can, can I just say again, they, 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 uh, teased their Legend of Zelda on Wii U, but we all know it's going to come to whatever the other console is too. At some point, I think that's fair. Uh, I still think that Link looks like a girl and I still think they're being really cagey about it. I don't think that Link looks like a girl. I, cause they've said Linkle is like a fan of Link. So she's not just like a female version of Link. So there won't be Zelda, the male Zelda, but, uh. Like the amazing though, it would be cool if they found a way to let you say, "Hey, I want to play as dude, dude Link or girl Link." But like, I don't think Linkle is going to be that character just because it's a different person, unless they do make it that somehow. I don't know. Maybe they'll like have it like a Fallout thing where they both have different backgrounds. Like Link is like an elf boy, and Linkle is his fan from town or something. I don't know. I just, I just wish her name wasn't Linkle. I'm fine with it. I, I just think that they still continue to show that character at long distances. When they show him or her, I get a much more feminine quality. Maybe that's the new art design. Whatever. I, I still think 
it's going to turn out that at the very least you can design Link as a girl in the new Zelda, and I'm totally fine with that. I think that's awesome. Uh, Twilight, worst kept secret in the industry, Twilight Princess yeah. I love Twilight Princess. I don't understand the hate for that game except for revisionist history. Ah, oh, it's too much like Ocarina of Time, which is what you all asked for. And I'm looking to forward be- to playing it, actually. Because like, I, I got pretty far in it on the Wii, but I, I'm looking forward to playing it again. I think and, like, the, un- really I think the dungeons, for the most part, are better than Wind Waker. And I, I, I think... Uh, now, I did make mention of this, and uh, Andrew kind of said that he was not a big fan of, of remakes in general, and I kind of agree with him. I, I wish that they would go a little bit farther with these remakes instead of just doing, like, you know, up HD versions. I, I would love to see, like, a Resident Evil remake situation, which would obviously cost way more money, but... I don't know. I think it was time to fix some of the problems in Wind Waker, and they didn't really do all of it. They and made sailing fat. They did. They they made a fair number of changes. They didn't change the game, but they definitely didn't just release it without doing anything. Right, and it's it's not enough to get me interested to play it again. But of course, it it made a lot of people interested. I'm interested to see what they're going to change in uh, Twilight Princess. I thought Twilight Princess was phenomenal. I really like that game, but again, I think there's there's a lot of revisionist history on that title to go from being one of the most beloved reincarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ games ever to then a couple of years later, people are like, well, you know, it's really similar to Ocarina of Time. Yeah, because nobody asked for that. <laughs> they I, did, in fact, ask for that. They, like they, they did, in fact, ask for that repeatedly. Um, I'm just pandering to Caitlin now. So yeah, uh, that's coming. Yes, because Deus Ex, I can't wait for. Dude, that. Oh man, that looks great. You want to talk about a game that looks like it's making huge advances after complaining about Fallout? That game looks nuts. That 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 game looks absolutely insane. Yes. And I'm I'm on board for that. I really hope that turns out to be something special. I gotta say, playing playing Human Revolution for Retro, you know. I still love the game, and I still think it's great, but compared to, like, what we've seen from Mankind Divide, I'm like, wow, this does actually look kind of shitty in comparison. It has it has aged, roughly, um, but I, I, you know, I think that the new one looks great. Speaking of things that I'm interested in but disappointed that there's no Paper Luigi, Mario Luigi Paper Jam got a release date. Cool. We got actually got a lot of release dates in this direct, which was yeah, awesome. We- we got the new uh, Fire Emblem <coughs> and the packaging details on that, which are, are pretty smart, I would say, to, to give you kind of everything for uh, 80 bucks if you want uh, the two versions of the game and then the downloadable final episode. Yeah, uh, but that's the special edition is 80 Right. Which I find weird because normally we don't know how much the third pad is going to cost, but if uh, it costs $20. Right, so that means that the special edition that has a few extra things will be the exact same cost as if you bought one of the paths and then bought the other one and the third one later because they'll both be $80. Is that, but isn't it, I think that's the intentional. Games 40? Are the games not $40? Or are they the game's 40 but then when you beat it, you can buy the other campaign at a discounted price of 20 and then the third campaign is 20 okay. again. Yeah, okay. so, yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with it. it I mean, it gives but me a get, reason. I mean, you get a you get a pouch in an art book, which I guess is the justification. Yeah. Well, it's just it's it's nice. Actually, it's kind of cool. We get a special edition that if you're going to get all three paths, is actually the best deal. It's not you know like thirty dollars more expensive. I'd want a Merce. I think it'd be awesome if it came with a Merce. <laughs> uh, 
I think I'm going to give that game a shot, and I'm, I'm just going to, yeah. And I'm I'm either going to play it on hard without permadeath, or I'm just going to play it on normal and say screw it. I I still I, I think. I've said it a million times, but I I think it's weird that people play that game with permadeath, but then restart missions over and over again. Isn't that? I still think that the point of having decisions in video games these days is to deal with them. And ever since I've taken that approach to my gaming, I did it with Fallout, where like I made some bad decisions and I kept going, and I've found that to be far more freeing than the oh I'm going to save scum games. And I don't know. But I I, I think there the option is there for that reason. Like yes. I agree with that yes. logic. But I still prefer to play classic with permadeath. And yeah, I'm going to restart if I die. But I like that stress. I like I, I, I don't want the game to be impossible a la my oft-referenced lunatic run of Awakening, which resulted in me getting four levels in. But uh, for me, it, it adds to the intensity of the strategy. Like, yeah, I restarted, but how do you, you have look at it this way. If I know I have the crutch of being able to just keep going, then I'm going to, and that's going to make it less of an impact when I win a battle. It, haven't other... Okay, so let me make this argument. Haven't other tactical role-playing games figured out how to handle permadeath better? Didn't Final Fantasy tax, Tactics do it better by giving you a couple of turns to save your party members? Didn't Valkyria Chronicles do it better by making sure that the opponents do not get to your party members because that's when they will die for good. I, I just feel like other games. I feel like other games have done it better, and Fire Emblem is kind of stuck in the past on that mechanic a little bit. I wouldn't say better because what you're suggesting sounds like we should just homogenize everything. Like it's a no, different that, system. No, yeah, I, like, I prefer, you know, the idea of like, oh, your party member went down, so you can if you can raise them in time. I like that mechanic, but that's not Fire Emblem. And Fire Emblem has found a better way to do it for people who don't like it in that they just got rid of permadeath and they give you a mode. I, I feel like Fire Emblem also has like that randomizer thing going on where you have a 99% chance of hitting and you've missed or they have a 5% chance of hitting and they hit you, which can make permadeath feel a little bit more unfair. And, and, and that game also relies... Uh, so two things I want to I wanna kind of challenge you on here, Stephen, a little bit. One, that game does, at least Awakening, did a really nasty thing of, like, in the middle of battle having a new army show up, which would somehow show up at, at, at seemingly the worst places sometimes to where it was going to force a restart. Because it's like, oh, that army just showed up behind me and wiped out one of my characters. I had no idea they were coming. Restart. And also, I, I don't agree with your homogenization argument. I think that they could come up with a better system because other games have done it better. Like, you still have... But I think that's a qualitative would statement, you, though. Would you let me... What do you mean by it's a qualitative statement? You're saying better. There are people who like the permadeath. So... From your perspective, something different would be better. You're just—you're not asking for better. You're asking for different. Uh, like, as, as an example, like if someone said, "Okay, now in Fire Emblem, your character dies, but if you do something in battle before it's too late, you get them back." Would I you think, find that better? I think there is a way to handle this mechanic better than with the randomness that's coming from their encounter design. And also from the random number generator that Caitlin's saying. I think they can do better, and relying on an old system with new mechanics, it doesn't gel as well as it could. And that's a little frustrating for me. And and it made me pull my hair out to the point where I gave up on Awakening. And you're right, they, they've kept the option in so that I can play that game the way I want to. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's fine. <laughs> but I really... I find that they're... 
new mechanics are not gelling with their old school game design, and that I find problematic. If you want to call that homogenization, I'm not asking for them to necessarily put the countdown timer from Final Fantasy Tactics, but I know the new XCOM managed to pull off the randomness of sometimes a critical hit will automatically kill one of your characters. Maybe that's what they need, but I, I think it's a bit much to have a game that suddenly throws new enemies in the middle of their encounter, and you either have to anticipate that or get lucky in order to deal with their permadeath. Well... I, I agree that that can be frustrating, but that's also part of the Fire Emblem experience. And, and if you and change that's, that, that's you're changing fine. Fire Emblem. And, and that's fine, but I think sometimes... It, I think that's how we end up with some, like, oh, well, that's that's why we have to have the tank controls in Resident Evil and we should never go back. I think that's well, how you end up with some of that. I think I, you can do better. There are right. ways to make it flow better, but I am still a proponent of the tank controls. Resident. I'm fine with the tank controls, but again, I think that you can do them better. I think you can make sure that your camera angles are better. I think that you can make it so that it's a little bit more intuitive. I I think the Resident Evil remake has great controls, even though they're tank controls. They feel better. There's a natural flow to them. They improved them, but I, I think that just... Oh, yeah, you can, that I agree with. You can improve them. That's what I'm trying to say is, okay, you don't necessarily have to do the exact same mechanics as other games, but I think they can do something a little better. But whatever, I'm not going to play in that mode because I don't understand why people play in that mode. And that's just me, I don't know, understanding myself as a gamer and understanding what I want. It's cool we're getting Fire Emblem. I'm okay with that. In that Fire Emblem, I can be a dude and date a dude. <laughs> you don't think they're going to take that out? No. Why would they? Why would they? No. Uh, why is Nintendo taking out religious imagery in the past, guys? Don't sit there and okay, give me well, that crap. Oh, well, okay, you're talking about a completely different time period, too. The 90s... They still they take out religious imagery. It took them years to get the Binding of Isaac onto 3DS. And they're still cagey as hell about it. Did they change anything in that? I don't know, necessarily, but it took forever for them but to finally get it out. But that wasn't religious imagery. That was uh, corporate nonsense and, like we want you to change the game, and they refuse to change it. So, that's different. Uh, I, don't know, I don't even know what we're arguing now, guys. Like, I, I really don't. Like, it, I don't know why you're arguing it. I think that if I think the backlash they would face for removing the option to have a gay romance in this game would be tremendous. Like, for them to go in... Also, I don't think they're going to change the code to do that. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, they're changing the boob slider on Xeno Chronicles oh X, God. guys! The backlash to that has been stupid because it's, it's been stupid. all the guy, it's been all the damn anime avatars on Twitter. Like, yeah, <laughs> but you guys, you so, uh, uh, all right, guys, I'm 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 getting a. L- what I'm saying is that local. So, you, like, so you're comparing an option to romance somebody of the same gender to being able to control the bus size of an underage when, female when character. You, when you say okay, that's a little bit of a, an attack. When you say it like that, you somehow seem to imply that I am equating a homosexual relationship to the bus size of a character. No, what I'm saying is that they completely avoided a sexualized topic in their video game the same way that Nintendo has avoided religious imagery in their video games in the West. It would not surprise me if Nintendo, and you guys know me, you know I don't agree with this, I don't have a problem with it, but it would not surprise me if Nintendo did the same thing in this instance. I don't think that romance is equated to sexuality. I don't to physical sexuality. uh, Derek, we're saying the same thing. I didn't say that you did. We're agreeing with each other, but I would not surprise me if Nintendo saw that they were different or saw that they were the same. I I I don't agree with that, and I think it's because there's enough nuance there. The people localizing this 
there's a lot of discussion of like culturalization and localization of games. And you have to look at the cultural climate in which you're releasing something. And the fact is that in the United States and in terror, and especially in the United States where Xenoblade is about to come out, people look at the impact of a very young girl in a very real reeling outfit and making her boobs huge very differently from how it's viewed in Japan. So they are culturalizing the game. Some people are calling that censorship and they can, and I don't care what they think, but that's a different thing than going into the game and saying like, it's, it's an awareness of cultural trends. Getting rid of the boob slider is something that is going to draw. People are going to look at that in the U S and find that a lot stranger than people in Japan look at it. And it's a lot more objectionable in the U.S., and that that's going to affect the ratings. And that's what they're doing is they're they're going for ratings. That's going to affect the ESRB rating for the game. If there is an underage girl with a revealing swimsuit and you can give her size 55 Gs, then that's going to get the game a different rating. It is having a homosexual relationship, could that also change the rating on a game? That is not going to affect the rating. Or should. I, again, I agree with you, but the ESRB is is their own funded institution. It's something that is made up of a bunch of people that are playing the games. If they decide to suddenly have a problem with that... I don't think there's a precedent for that either, though. I don't think there's ever been an instance of, of the ESRB specifically saying, like, everything was fine until this point, until it got gay, so now we have to up the rating. <laughs> you phrased I mean, that I, really just, well. I just think that's kind of absurd. I'm not... Look, I'm not saying that your that your uh, concerns that you're raising are absurd like i'm not dismissing your argument rob i just think that it would be absurd if they did that. and and i okay yeah, I, I, I think inquisition like inquisition like if you look at the ersrb rating for inquisition there's nothing on there that says this game is rated m for blood romance sex and gay people. and gay no no sex is actually included now i agree with you they're not put they're not using homosexuality as a moniker on their game but what all are they including in sexuality and if these and if the people who are deciding that do feel that that constitutes a mature rating, there's nothing to be done. I mean, the ESRB is much like the MPAA when it comes to the Motion Picture Association. They get to make the determining factor about what constitutes a PG-13 and what constitutes an R, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But they are in conversations with this, and they're in conversation with social trends. And didn't they, nobody didn't the ESRB is going to go, well, there's gay people in this, so we got to get rid of it. I mean, didn't they change the age of one of the characters in Fire Emblem yes. Awakening? Oh, they changed. And Xenoblade. Yeah, Lynn, a character in Xenoblade X, was is thirteen in the Japanese version. She's fifteen in the English version. Which makes such a difference. I, I, again, I, I agree with you guys that it's silly, and I think we all have to be on the same page. Is like I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that you know this this title should have its gay content taken out, but it would not surprise me. <laughs> And that see that and that's for me that's the position I'm taking issue with is that that is not the same thing as a boob slider like that is like that that is not like there are people to whom that is an offensive element but those a, a those people are wrong and b that's a different thing than saying here's a twelve year old girl she has giant boobs because that's what you want to look at that's that's a different thing and and, and I agree with you I see a difference in those two things as well. And there's no precedent for you to think what you're thinking, is what I mean. Like, there have been games with homosexual romances, and they have never been their own bullet point, and that would be foolish anyway. What Nintendo Sexuality is just a blanket term. What Nintendo game has had homosexual relationships? Fire Emblem. 
besides uh, besides the new Fire Emblem that has not been released in America yet? Um, I mean, there are probably games that have had maybe not overt elements. I mean, you're putting me you're putting us on the spot, and I'm not saying that you're doing it to be a yeah, jerk like, about I, it, but I can't think of anything. I I could research and come back to you. Yeah, yeah, and maybe there is a game. And and again, I'm not. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm not trying to gotcha media right now. But what I'm saying is that it wouldn't. Uh, Nintendo has been really cagey about some of these things in the past. I don't know. They, I mean, Tomodachi Life, I guess, is an example, and they they messed up with that. And then I th- I think Tomodachi Life was actually kind of a a notable turning point for Nintendo because they realized that, that it's not really a- appropriate, yeah, in today's cultural climate to sort of like restrict that to restrict the expression of if you're going to make a game that is purely about fostering relationships between people to completely erase the existence of a subset of people is problematic. So like, I, I, I think that they learned enough from that, that they wouldn't erase it from fire emblem. I think that's, that's a good enough reason for them from a business standpoint, because they had a lot of outcry over Tomodachi. Yeah. I think they are smart enough to know that. And furthermore, homosexuality is looked at even worse in Japan than it is in the United States. That's, not a, good point. that's a good point. And then put it in, in and take it out in the U S like, the fact that it even exists in the game to begin with is nothing short of amazing, so... Okay, I... I, 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 didn't, I did not mean to open this can of worms, I was just trying no, to... No, 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 I want to have this discussion, but I, again, I, I, we have a lot of history of Nintendo doing some, some weird stuff. I really hope that you guys are right and that we have no issues, but I want to watch this development of Fire Emblem because you know that if... Yeah, I think we all are in agreement that if they do make a change, we're going to hear about it pretty damn fast. And you're going to ha- you're going to have articles out the yin yang and people losing their minds over this sort of thing. So I really hope that it doesn't happen. I, I agree with with your that that would happen, but I think that is discussing a very very unlikely given context circumstance. Well, let, let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. N- Nintendo's... I also think it would be a different kind of outrage. And and for the record, just one final thing to add. You can also be a girl who dates a girl. I didn't mean to erase that in the discussion. No, no, no. And again, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm advocating that anyone should have a problem with this. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I do not find this to be as cut and dry as y'all seem to think. And I really hope I'm wrong. But... Well, I think... Think of it as a taste thing. Like, you, there are. We censor certain kinds of media. Child pornography is illegal, and that is why that is being removed from the game. But especially now, there are strides being made to not erasing people from existence. Yeah, there are people who want child porn, but that is not something socially acceptable right now. And the frame we live in, Nintendo knows, and this is the correct frame to be in, that they should not be erasing homosexual romances from the game. Because that's, A, that's not currently, in the current social climate, that is no longer acceptable. And that's a good thing. That's progress. But it's like comparing an entire set of humans to a boob slider is, I think, too reductive of an argument. To use one as the example for another is what I mean. Like, someone's bathing suit is not someone's life. Quote, someone's bathing suit is not someone's life. I agree. Yeah, me too. Sorry, Rob. I mean, it's 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 hard, particularly to have this kind of discussion when people like us deal with this all the time. I mean, a huge amount of my of my time in academia has been focused on on gender studies and 
like my focus within linguistics is linguistic construction of identity and sexuality and like it's just it's super important to me so obviously i get emotionally invested in this kind of stuff so i mean i didn't mean to and, and and this is where I always have trouble with these arguments is because I you could make the argument that I'm just being a devil's advocate dick over here, but I think that saying that this is not a conversation that they're uh, okay that that's not fair because nobody made that statement, but I think this is definitely a conversation that's going on in Nintendo right now, and I really hope Nintendo is on the right side of it and everyone's going this isn't a big deal, like but I think that there is a conversation going on there. Well, I mean, yeah, they they had to talk about it i'm sure at the point where they're localizing this game and they encounter this scene they have to talk about like how are we going to handle this right because i think that nobody it's not existing in a vacuum nothing is so they're not just translating it word for word because as we know especially like steven knows especially well that translation and localization isn't just as simple as like one-to-one translation doesn't exist that's something you learn very early on if you decide to study a foreign language and so all the people who complain about, like, why is this game taking so long to be localized? Just run it through Google Translate. Like, I know that's a very hyperbolic statement, but, like, that's not how translation works. So when we encounter something like this, particularly a scene that is handling a culturally sensitive issue, we have the, the people doing it are aware of everything that's happening in the social discourse. So, like, yes, they are talking about it, but I think that... I want to think that they're coming from a, a pretty informed perspective. Like, again, the people at Nintendo have seen what Tomodachi Life did, so... I think the important thing to say here is that the only thing that we were talking about was that Nintendo in the past has aver- has avoided hot-button issues. Uh, religion, sexuality, that sort of thing. And the only question I was trying to raise was, are they going to potentially avoid this issue? I'd like to think that they're not, because there's nothing wrong with analyzing this issue. And and you guys have brought up good points that they are issues that, in in Japan, that they haven't been seen as issues. And we're talking about a more controversial region when it comes to some of these topics. So the hope is that they're not going to be problems and or taken out or changed in any, any way to try to try to sanitize them in that really negative way that re- that really negative idea of like oh well we're going to we're going to fix this for american audiences the only question i was trying to raise was do we think that's going to happen i think the the emphatic answer from everybody is no and they shouldn't and i i think we all agree on that and and i was only asking the question just because of the precedence from the historical standpoint of nintendo changing these things in the past all the way back to Gold right. 013. I mean, it, I think it, it's a valid point to raise, and I think we reached a good conclusion. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I hope it's not an issue. I hope that there's there's nothing here. We'll, we'll find out in February when we get Fire Emblem Conquest Birthright. And what's the last one? Revelations. Seriously? <laughs> not to be confused with Resident Evil Revelations. Or Assassin's Creed Revelations. Well, the way they describe the third path vis-a-vis the first two makes it that... I can see how that kind of fits in. Fire Emblem Shadow of the Revelations. Rise of the Fire Emblem. Chronicles X. Excuse you. Chronicles uh, Is it Xenoblade Chronicles X or is it X Turbo Plus Alpha? Is it Chronicles X? The answer is it's cross in Japan and it's yes. X here in the States. That's even but, more yeah. awesome. That's even it's, more. It's stylized the same way, but Japan has got this kind of thing where sometimes they just write X and they, they, they write it out as cross because it's they like don't a, have X, obviously, in their language. W so. being double. Yeah. So it's weird, and I, 
I'm just I'm weird because I I like cross. I think it sounds better than X, but I think X. Xenoblade Chronicles X sounds like Mystery Brand X. Like <laughs> does Caitlin agree with me on the naming of Xenoblade Chronicles X? I'm gonna have you on the show more, Caitlin. I think I had everybody get, yell at me at E3 two years ago when I was just like that title sounds terrible. Oh oh I um I don't call it Chronicles like outside of official stuff for the site because I don't I hate that edition. I, it's Xenoblade is fine by itself and I don't know. I like Cross because you can shorten it to Xenocross, which sounds cool in my mind. I think it so. should have been Xenoblade Chronicles Shadow of the Revelations X. Cross. That's coming next year on the yes. NX. Well, I don't think we have any other news to talk about. I think uh, I think everything else is past. Nothing. But, oh, but wait, wait. No, a, no, new, no, a new challenger no. approaches. No, no, no. They they didn't. To be fair, I think I lagged. To be fair, Xenoblade was just called Xenoblade in Japan. So Xenoblade Chronicles is in fact a new name in Japan. The what? X part is a little silly, but for us, it's just like, oh, I added an X. That's dumb. Although they did it with Mega Man, it was awesome. Uh, but like in Japan, the game is not like there's Xenoblade and Xenoblade Chronicles. So I don't know. That's probably the perspective from which they were naming it. I don't think we have any other news to talk about. I think I think we're we're done, right? Uh, no, I, I can't I think know. of anything. Was... Like, wait, is that does a storm gather on the horizon? It, it looks is, like some. Is there a squall? No, no cloud, no. no squall shall hinder us. Okay. Yeah, there, there ain't no squall because if there was, the whole internet would have given a collective. Eh. Rob is making me censor a bad word I said because people would have said WTF about squall. Uh, but instead, they would not have said meh. Instead, we got cloud and Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and for 3DS, which I, I gotta say that that was pretty cool to have the music and to have Midgar in the background to do the thing with Cloud sitting on the ground and was it Zelda? over him like reenacting the, the there was a bunch of pikmin that looked like the flower bed and then there was zelda holding the flower item okay in a pink costume that was that was pretty awesome also it took the internet a grand total of about 12 hours to start putting out clickbait articles of is final fantasy 7 remake coming to the oh, oh, took 12 okay. hours guys took 12 hours if you Good. think that the wii u can run the oh, remake it ain't it's coming. To, I I would be shocked if it doesn't come to NX. It's gonna. It's to coming to Xbox One. It's gonna come to NX, but I, it just took twelve hours for the clickbait articles to start about you know Final Fantasy VII remake, and whether or not that's coming to the Nintendo NX. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, it, it was cool to see Cloud. It was cool to have the music. I, I like the fact that it was just the straight up Final Fantasy VII music, which was great. Um, looks good. They've done a lot of really good integration there. It it is a little weird that it is. Cloud, not not because he's like one of the most popular Final Fantasy characters, but that is the the famous breakpoint between Nintendo and SquareSoft from way back well, in the day. I think at this point, Smash is not Nintendo All Stars. Smash is video game right. celebration, which is awesome. Which is awesome. They need to bring Snake back. Like because... Smash has Mega Man, Pac Man, Mario, Sonic, and Cloud. You think and then so? everyone else, too. Can we get uh, Blinks the Time Cat from uh, Xbox? Can we get him in there? Okay. I don't think so. Or, about, well, I mean, what would be a good Xbox representative? Like Hayabusa from Ninja Gaiden? How about we get Joel in there and he could just like put uh, Sonic into a sleeper hold and just choke the life out of him and then like he grab can, him? He can, uh, his uh, final smash will be him blasting somebody in the face with a shotgun before it cuts to black and an audience <laughs> cheers. <laughs> 
Or how about, how about Donut Drake? The next rep would be Banjo Kazooie. Oof. Donut Drake. Yeah. Donut Drake. Yeah. It rolls over the competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. So, yeah, Clouds and uh, Smash Brothers. When, when's he coming to Smash Brothers? They yeah. haven't said, but there's a Nintendo Direct in December focused specifically on Smash. And if precedent holds, he will probably release immediately after that Direct with two other characters. All right. I, I think everybody's excited to see Cloud. And uh, apparently Uematsu's not doing the music for the Final Fantasy VII remake. That's concerned. Has not been approached yet. I'm. I. That's concern number one. I, want I don't it to think be, that's a concern. I want it to be Hamauzu. Although I don't know that his yes. style would mesh as well, but Hamauzu is one of my favorite composers now. Oh, I think it would everything be he touches is gold. Yeah, I, I actually I agree with that, and I think I don't think Uematsu being involved with it has anything to do with it. A because I doubt they're even doing any music yet, and B. Yeah. All the melodies are written, and Uematsu writes great melodies. Uematsu does not do great instrumentation, in my uh, opinion. That is fair. I think that's yeah, very fair. Like, I really don't need a, a metal version of One Winged Angel. Like, but we got that. But like, we don't use... need the Lost Odyssey ending the, or final boss theme again. Like, and again, I love, <laughs> Uematsu is worthy of respect, but I do not think it matters. I actually sort of prefer him not doing the remixes because. Most of the remixes I've heard of his Final Fantasy VII music, I like better than the Final Fantasy VII music. But don't you want to hear Honey Bee in on a violin? I do. I really like Final Fantasy VII's uh, sound chip, though. Like, whatever. The, yeah. the, the midis or whatever are really... It's probably nostalgia, a big part of it. But I wouldn't want to see it... I wouldn't want it to be like the exact same music in the remake, so I would be okay with it changing. But... Yeah, and I... I... If, again, if precedent holds, I'm guessing they'll get, like, Takahata Ishimoto or one of the people who often does remixes for them. Like, or not remixes, arrangements. You know, like, Final Fantasy IV, I think, was uh, Sekito did a lot of the rearranged music. And, like, Junya Nakano did a lot of the rearranged music. So that that's sort of business as usual. Like, Uematsu hasn't worked on any of their remakes of the classic games. All right. Final Fantasy VII Remake, we will see a 30-second trailer at E3. One-Winged okay. Angel will be in Smash Brothers. And the end will uh, be... They're also at the Midgar it. stage. Uh-huh. <sighs> so, Super Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog are going to get to rail each other, along with Ryu and Mega Man in Midgar, so, as Odin was, slashes the battlefield. Is that is that just... That's going to be part of the battle? It's going to be one of the environmental effect of the battlefield? Yeah. Like it's separate from his final smash, with his, which is Omnislash? Yeah, it looks kind of like... My, my guess is actually that his like magic casting thing is a taunt. Yeah, I because think it's a, it seemed kind of incongruous with what was going on in the battle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm guessing his taunts are going to be his victory taunt from Seven, the summoning effect, the magic effects, and probably one other one. And like, so the that's it. Actually, work looks like it's going to work a lot like the Pokemon levels, where instead of Pokemon, the summons come in and hammer stuff. Right. And again, One Winged Angel and the Final Fantasy VII battle theme are going to be in Smash Bros. Yeah. I know I'm not tired of one wing. Oh, that's right, I am. Uh, so, so any- I'm, not, I'm not tired of it, but in Smash Brothers, I will make an exception. Anyways, uh, thanks everybody for listening to episode 101. We're getting close to end of the year discussions where we're going to have to start arguing about game of the year. Mm, what a delicious discussion that will be. Uh, Witcher 3. <laughs> Well, depending on the categories, but yes. Uh, Best abs and uh, swimmer's build. (laughs) 
yes. I, Best use of a towel. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to still play the rest of Hearts of Stone. I think I'm going to do that for the next show. <laughs> Somebody take us out, because I'm dying here. Thank you all for listening to Random Encounter. As always, we appreciate your reviews on iTunes, if you can do that for us. It helps us get more uh, uh, popularity. We appear in search results, and then people can find us and listen to us, and your grandma's dog can enjoy the show as well, not just your grandma. So thank you all for listening, for Stephen, for Caitlin, and for Rob. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time.